Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. St. Louis and welcome into the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy character is out <laughs> once again playing golf today in the you say Ozzy Smith golf? Yes. Tournament? Yeah, uh-huh. so he's living the best life. We're here working. Uh, he'll be here tomorrow, but, you know, you and I are here. How was your weekend, Brooke? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I need to figure out this whole Randy special, the mm-hmm. Monday special. I, I asked him last week, I was like, you must have chatted with Kernan on how to figure out the scheduling, because getting back-to-back Mondays yeah. off, I think that that's the most ideal situation. <laughs> I mean, if you can get... A, a three-day work week, a, a four-day work week. You're doing, yeah. you're living life in the right direction. You're, you're going yeah. about these things in the right direction. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> weekend was good, other than you know working today. Of course, I love working, but yes. you know having the Monday off that is, whew, it does feel ideal. Good. You get rid of the Sunday scaries. But I had a good weekend. We had blues going on. We were talking about NFL and mm-hmm. college football earlier. Earlier, probably some of the weirdest games in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, so that wasn't strange. enjoyable. No. But then you had the ALCS, and that was great. That was wonderful. You talked about the Blues got their first win of the season. Another game going into overtime, another game going to the shootout, and they were able to come away with a 2-1 victory in the shootout. What did you see? What have you seen in these first couple of games from the St. Louis Blues? Well, I think that it shows what they're trying to do defensively with the mm-hmm. new defensive scheme and how it's paying off. I mean, if you look at how they've been able to limit a lot of things, especially the other goals on the other side, but I also think Jordan Bennington is the biggest part of that. I mean, he is, been amazing. What was it? Stop. 63 of 65 shots in these two games yep. combined. He looks spectacular. And I think the thing that I've noticed the most, CD, is not that he's never not looked confident, but he lo- looks a lot more controlled and at ease. Yeah. Poised. Like, Poised. relaxed. Yes, not, exactly. Not jumping. He's, he's not all over the place. He's yeah. just making the saves, doing a great job. He is doing a fantastic job. Um, and I, I guess I'm starting to see the, the changes in the defense, as you said. Yes. They are getting shots. Opposing teams are getting shots on goal, but it's not those high opportunities, high danger danger shots Mm -hmm. where, you know, you expect them to go in. And Jordan Bennington, when he does face a few of those, he is he is standing on his head. He's playing extremely well. Um, Any concerns yet? From the power play. I was going to say. Have not scored. Yeah. Not not really. Yeah. Not, no, <laughs> not been great. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a little bit peculiar to me because we talked about how great the PK looked, at least in that first game. But the power play, I think hopefully that's something that comes along a little bit here. Hopefully. Because that's the only big glaring issue to yeah. me. The only other thing is it seems like in the first period they are outshot and maybe off to a little bit of a slower start. And I think that those are guys just really coming together. You did have Pavel Buchnevich get injured early on in that game so then you had to shift things around they're down a forward and all that different kind of stuff but I think that 
right now, it's just two games in. So I am at least excited. If you would have told me that they came away with, you know, three points essentially, and they've only scored like as little as they've had, then I would say that's a pretty big positive. But you had two back-to-back shootouts. You lose the first one. You win this one at home. That's the biggest thing is that you were able to win it at home in front of like 18,000 plus fans. And you also like to see Robert Thomas get that moment in the shootout in the end. Jordan Bennington, everything that he did. And another thing, the commitment to the shot blocking is a big thing for me. I think they blocked 17 shots. You saw Colton Pareko getting involved (laughs) with that. I felt like there were so many times last season, CD, where you didn't see that. Yeah, guys are are putting their bodies out in front of it. And it's it's wonderful to see. It's good to see this defense playing as well. Uh, The Blues... Able to get the win. They got down early by Jaden, former Blue. Jaden Schwartz scored the first goal. And then Jordan Cairo was able to tie the game one to one. Now the Blues the other way. Three on three over the line. Thomas to Cairo. Score! Trading chances and the Blues get the goal. Cairo's first of the year. One one the score. 12 11 to go. Period. Number two. Great goal for him. Great time. Great for him to get on the board. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think. You know, there are some people in in professional sports that that need to touch the ball in order to see the ball go in, see themselves score. I think mm-hmm. he's one of those guys. When he scores or gets great shot opportunities, he starts to light up. And I think you're going to see the best version of him on the offensive end. He and and. To my what I've seen, I haven't seen anything glaring on no. the defensive end just thus far. So I think he's playing pretty well, and I think this entire team, uh, Blues team, is playing pretty well. Yeah, well, you even saw in the first period, I think it was early in the first period, where he took away a backdoor pass, and that was a huge opportunity. What we wanted to see from Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas with these big contracts kicking in this season is them continuing to grow and develop as players, and especially as two-way players. Yes. And I think that, at least in these first two games, that's a positive you can see, and I can already see that growth with Jordan Cairo, especially in that second game as I mentioned there. I thought that was a huge moment for him early on to be aggressive in that moment taking away that backdoor pass. It was and then Robert Thomas was able to get the goal in the shootout. Here it is. Robert Thomas now in on the court. Third round of the shootout in a 1-1 game in regulation. Thomas Deeks shoots. Score! Backhand underneath the crossbar. 1-0 Blues and now a save from Bennington. On an Everly chance, could win the home opener for St. Louis. Much needed. Yes, it was much needed. I was so nervous watching that shootout there where I was like, okay, oh my God, please, Jordan Bennington is doing Keep everything doing thing, that you want. And then when Robert Thomas came in and was able to get that goal, that was just a huge moment. As I mentioned, to be able to do that in front of the fans too, to just kick off the season at home was a huge moment. But Robert Thomas, I'm excited to see him shoot the puck more this season in too. general. I think he he's, he's getting, when he gets those opportunities, I would love for him to put the puck on the net. I know he's a, a pass-first pass, type yes. of player, but when you get that opportunity, shoot it. Don't be afraid to shoot it. Uh, if you miss it, hopefully we get the rebound and get a putback. So hopefully we'll see more of that from Robert Thomas going forward. Yeah. The ALCS kicked off last night with the Texas Rangers taking on the Houston Astros. That's some. Uh, it was a. It was a pitcher for the. Uh, oh I can't remember. Jo- Jordan for the Texas Rangers. Jordan. Uh, he, I don't know. He went. Jordan Hicks. No, I'm no, kidding. not that guy. Oh, yeah. Jordan oh. Montgomery. Oh, Monty. Six and a third. Gumby, yes. Pitched a lot of pitches last night. Did did pretty well taking on that dangerous Houston Astros ball club. And the the Texas Rangers were able to come out of there with a 2-0 victory. 
What did you think about Montgomery? What did you think about Justin Verlander and, you know, game one of the ALCS? Everything to me, it was the Jordan Montgomery game, yeah. right? You mentioned their six and uh, third scoreless innings against the Astros, and that's a really, really good Astros lineup that he had to face there. The fact that he was able to shut it down and also get out of some dangerous moments. I think about the biggest moment of the game to me was bottom the fourth. The Astros were able to load the bases yep. on three straight two-out hits, and then Jordan Montgomery, he was locked in, keeping him in the game, which is a big important moment there to show you that he can work out of trouble and he was able to get out of the bases loaded jam that to me was the moment of the game and possibly of this series I mean you're able to really build some momentum they needed just two runs to be able to come away with the win but it was the Jordan Montgomery game it was it was a great game by him uh, Justin Verlander pitched pretty well on the other side going six and two thirds uh, two earned runs gave up six hits this game for me as you said, Jordan Montgomery, that moment where bases are loaded, yes. your manager trusting you, not mm -hmm. feeling the need to, to pull the plug and pull you <laughs> out of the game. I think it does a lot for not only that player's confidence, but the rest of the team. They can say, hey, you know what? If I get in the jam, I'm not going to get the hook. I can get an opportunity to get out of this situation. That comes from you know a good manager, a good trusting your players, mm -hmm. trusting your gut. And I, man, I just, I just can't say enough about it. The it's fun to watch playoff baseball. I miss it, it here. Yeah. It's not it, it's it's missed. It, it, is. it really is. I and that's why I really like the Rangers. I was telling you guys last week, I think that they will be the ones to win the World Series. I'm just going to go really? ahead and say it now. That's going to be my hot take is that they're going to win it all because I just like everything they have going. I think the biggest concern for the Rangers coming into this was the bullpen, but they were able to get the final 8 outs and really shut things down after Jordan Montgomery did what he needed to do as a starter. I think it also shows you the importance of a starting pitcher that can go deeper into games. And yeah. that also goes goes to with what you were just talking about, building that trust and that working out. Because if your biggest concern is the bullpen, well, you better have a starter who is like Jordan Montgomery that can go deeper into games. Yes, you should. Uh, it was it was playoff baseball is so fun. We, we've seen some some great plays by center fielders. We saw one again last night by Evan yeah. Carter of the Texas Rangers going deep for that fly ball, catching it up against the fence oh, and doubling off Jose Otuve. It was, to me, That's those are the moments that when you're watching any sport, but playoff baseball, when you're seeing the playoffs, you mm -hmm. get to see the greatest moments. It just feels like it's that much more magnified, and that was a great play by him, doubling off El Tuve, uh, getting out of a dangerous situation there in the bottom of the eighth inning. Whew, I, I couldn't I, believe that Evan Carter did that. When I when I saw it happening, it. I was like, because that, that's such a weird ballpark yeah. that you don't know how that exactly is going to pan out. And I, as soon as he made that, I was like, there's no freaking way. And he's 21 years old. He's young. And the fact that he had that much like awareness of a very complicated field, I mean, that, that says a lot about his progression. Uh, CD... I do have something to tell you. Okay, what do you got? Uh, we have a special announcement oh. that is happening right now. What's that? Oh. <laughs> we, so for those who are not up, on YouTube, man? hi Sam, how are you? I'm like, why is Rock so we just had, so long? We just had a special <laughs> announcement and a special guest come in here, What's Samuel Adineron coming in. Sam, so, how yeah. are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. So there is a very special reason that Samuel Dineron is here today, CD, because if you remember when we interviewed Sam, we talked about your clothing line that you have specifically, and we said, we got to get CD hooked up with this. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that was... 
That was the plan. That, that is. Plan, so. I went so, over, yeah. got measured for for some outfits or some mm-hmm. clothes, and mm-hmm. I see you bearing mm-hmm. gifts, brother. So yes, I, I am. I am. I am. I am. How, how excited are you about what this season has been uh, for your team, St. Louis City? Man, you know, it's like I always tell people, it's been a blessing. Yeah. It's been great to to be out there with them and then to do what you've done to accomplish what we've accomplished already you know and to still have so much more to accomplish is amazing you know so so yeah i mean it's been great it's been great yeah it it really has we've been talking about you guys so much about this inaugural season with city sc i know that Mm -hmm. the outside world didn't have many expectations or high expectations Mm -hmm. for the first season here Mm -hmm. in st louis but you guys seem to have this strong belief that that wouldn't be the case and it has paid off mm-hmm. I mean just seeing the transition and just the growth from this what has it been like for you just experiencing that you know I mean yeah obviously at the beginning of the season we had some some doubters and some naysayers but I mean also at the end of the day we don't really focus too much on that obviously we use it as motivation but it's not our, our main focus you know at the beginning of the season um, Bradley was just telling us to be us you know and, and to stick to our principles and, you know, and that's what we did. So, I mean, yeah, it's a credit to the to the guys, credit to the staff and credit to the organization. You so. said that you, though, I remember I saw this interview where you said that you guys had printed off what everybody mm-hmm. predicted that you would finish <laughs> as. So you were paying attention a little bit, but mm-hmm. using it as kind of motivation and bulletin board mm-hmm. material, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it wasn't the main focus, but we, we definitely had our had our eye on it a little bit. So, so, yeah. So one more home game, regular mm-hmm. season home game, and then yeah. the playoffs start. I know you, you, as players, we we try to focus on what's important. Obviously, the next mm-hmm. game is the, the important one this weekend. Mm-hmm. But you have to be excited about having the playoffs have to run through St. Louis on the western side. Just knowing that teams have to come here and you mm-hmm. all are going to be locked in, dialed in, and know what that means uh, for mm-hmm. the opportunity that I'm sure when you all signed up, this was what you wanted, an exactly. opportunity to win it all. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean – yeah, MLS playoffs are, are crazy. You know, they're they're fun. They're fun. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it, we're definitely, of course, we're focused on the next game. That's what's most important right now. But obviously, yeah, everyone has playoffs in their mind. They're they're excited for it. We're ready for it. You know. So, so yeah, we're just taking it one step at a time, and hopefully, we can, you know come up with something big can i take my hat out for you because you're here it's 7 13 mm-hmm. uh normally we can't get a baseball player in here that early it's <laughs> it's way too early what is your or normal hockey player, or hockey player yeah. for that mm-hmm. man what is your normal schedule we football players we would be a meeting started around 7 15 so that was normal but what mm-hmm. is you all's everyday schedule like when you're when you're working mm-hmm. normally i'm up around eight o'clock in the morning and then you normally don't have to be in until around 9:30 but that's the arrival time. But normally I normally I'm in there earlier than that, probably around like 9 o'clock I'm in there, but but yeah, I'm an early bird, so I don't okay. mind waking up early. <laughs> That's good. Because like, like Harry said, I don't think we would get a baseball player, hockey no. player, anything not like that. I don't even know if I would be here this early if it wasn't yeah. for this job. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a morning person, but that's why we thank you so much. And the big reason why you're here today is to gift carry something from your clothing line. Yes. For I yes. know we talked about it before, but tell people about your clothing line again. Yeah, so um, the name of my, my clothing line is um, VAPS Dynasty Clothing. And um, VAPS is an acronym for... All of my siblings, um, from from oldest to youngest, and Victor, Ayodeji, Palumi, and then Samuel, obviously me. So, um, so yeah, it was a, a brand that pretty much my mom started. My mom and dad started when we were, um, we were all older, but it was I think 2016, 2017 is kind of when we got the idea. And then I say 
around towards the end of 2017 to 2018 is when it all started, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's just uh, native clothing, native to our country, Nigeria. And then um, we also do formal as well. We do suits, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was something that my mom thought would really bring us together as a family. And it definitely has, you know, working with my siblings has, has been amazing, you know. And so, and so, yeah, I mean, it's been a blessing to be able to do that with them. And so, yeah, I'm enjoying it. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you, brother, for dropping in. It was no a, a great surprise. I, we, I was we tried our best. We tried our best. Doing mm-hmm. outside yeah. for so yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see it in front of the camera. Okay. It, it, well, it, I mean, I mean, what, it, what, what do you what do you it, got? It's not what, on the rundown. I know it's not. It, yeah. It's supposed to be a surprise. Oh yeah, well, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's got it. I got. I, I, we got to see. We got to get the face on camera when you yeah. actually when you actually get it and open it up and everything. We got to see. That's what we need, Karen. We need the shot. CD on there, and you can see us on YouTube. By the way, if you guys want to see this moment and see the clothing line and our pseudo cams are brought to you by the airline team where you can see this beautiful outfit there you go and it has your initials on there I love that I can dig it I like the colors I love this (laughs) I appreciate it bro yes thank you so much for coming in Sam we really appreciate it we've been big fans of yours all season including everything that City SC is doing right now keep going man we're watching St. Louis loves what you all are doing you all are are becoming the, the team of summer for mm-hmm. this season for sure. Hopefully going Definitely. forward you all can keep doing it. Definitely. And uh, we'll be watching you all in the playoffs and, and obviously the last home game, but in the playoffs for sure. Definitely. Hoping and, and, and rooting for a victory from St. Louis City. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank That's you Sam Adineron. That's Brooke Grimley. I'm Kerry Davis. Coming up next, three things we loved about the weekend. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Rimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. No Randy Carricker today. He will be back tomorrow. Also, we have Matthew Rocchio here in studio. And it is time from our things that we loved from this weekend. Kerry? Number two. Well, so my number two, I, I know you all saw the video that went viral last week of Tyreek Hill trying to give the football to his mom, <laughs> and then there's a fan stepping in and taking the ball uh, and then giving the ball to his mother. Tyreek actually found that fan, and he offered him uh, a, a game ball, a signed ball. He gave him a signed Tyreek Hill jersey. It was oh, a man. cool moment, and the man was saying, he said, I didn't know that that was your mother behind me. He thought, I, it's my lucky day. I'm getting a football from Tyreek Hill. He said, had I known it was your mother, I would have definitely <laughs> moved out of the way, but I didn't know. So I thought that was a really cool moment for, for Tyreek. For the man, I'm sure, because he was getting beat up online. Talking about, get, get the hell out of the way. Yeah. He got his mind. He didn't know. He's at a football <laughs> game. He's excited. And so he gives the ball to Tyreek's mom. Tyreek finds him later on in the week and gives him a signed ball, a signed jersey. That, to me, was a really cool moment that I saw, and I thought that was spectacular. That is awesome. I love stories like that yeah. that come out. It's just, it's really cool to see my number two thing from this weekend number two is going to be the blues home opener carrie this is one of my favorite times of year one because it's getting cooler outside i talked about last week it's chilly weather where you're actually making chili it's also chilly outside uh this is my favorite time of the year because it's hockey season i love hockey season we're high on hopium right now when it comes to the blue season and i really hope that (laughs) things go better than it did last season and i think there's a lot of encouraging things i i love the fact that they brought in oscar sunquist i like that 
guys are blocking shots more. I like that you have a new defensive scheme that's being played out right now. I like that you have Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas really starting kind of, not that they haven't been here, but starting, you know, their era where they're really stepping up and growing and being the Blues future, essentially. And that is starting right now. And so for the Blues to be able to win in front of 18,000 plus fans in that home opener was huge. I, I just thought it was such a great moment in that shootout victory. And Jordan Bennington, after the performance that he's done these first two games, yeah. deserved that. It was great to see. I mean, he, he's doing a fantastic job. And watching the Blues perform in the manner in which they are, uh, it's it's been it's been exciting. I yeah. mean, it, it's it gives you, as you said, hope, hopium for We're high on hopium. <laughs> how well this team can perform. <laughs> if he's going to play at this level, uh, listen, yeah. the Blues have an opportunity to do some spectacular things this season. And I mean, what more could you ask for? Exactly. Vesna right now? Is that what you said, Rock? You said that earlier. You said, is he top three? He's number one right now, yeah. two games in. Yeah, Vesna finalist, I think so. He's I, number one right now. He's not going to be in the running for the Jets. Two games in. Yeah, I'll give him to it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll give him that. Right now. Yeah. Just in right the now. season. Right yeah. now. Right now. Right now. Right now. It's <laughs> his. Because right you know what I've done a lot over the last week is watch a lot of the first three games of both teams' NHL seasons. <laughs> I've done a lot else. of that, Kerry. Yeah, you don't need to see anything <laughs> else. I'll tell you this right now. I could name the top five goaltenders right off the top of my head. Number one. My number one thing was it was a good week for college football. Uh, interesting week for NFL football. <laughs> that's so that's some one way to games. put it. <laughs> there, there were some things uh, that went on. Mizzou, Illinois won. Uh, mm-hmm. That's great. My Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have a game, so they didn't they didn't win or lose. The Hazel Central Hawks won 32 to 15. For me, it was just a good weekend of football. Watching college football, our team played extremely well. Uh, fought back in the fourth quarter, was able to come out with a victory. Nice. And you know, it's it's. It's fun to see the growth in your team. It's fun to see the growth. Mizzou is playing, you know, lights out right now. They were down 14 to nothing, and uh, a, a play call by the head coach and the special teams coordinator to go for it yeah. on, fo- on fourth down and, and have a fake punt and score a touchdown. Those things are things that give you a jolt and give you energy and helps your team, you know, press forward and win more games. So it was a great weekend of football for me. I would say specifically college football, too, because the, those NFL games, some of them Intriguing. really threw me through yeah. a loop. Man, <laughs> I got to look at my pick em. I think I did pretty poorly. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, no, some... I know I did. That's, I can tell you that. Well, my number one thing is actually something that you just talked about right there, too, CD, is Mizzou beating Kentucky. And I just thought it was such a fantastic game. It was the first time that they beat Kentucky in Lexington since 2013 when you had Doriel Green Beckham. Now, that's a throwback. You haven't heard that name in a while. When they had Doriel Green Beckham on the team, and that didn't pan out for the Tennessee Titans. But either way, it worked out for Mizzou in that situation. And you mentioned there the fake punt touchdown. That was DeSmet's own Luke Bauer, who was the one that was a part of that with Marquise Speedy Johnson. I love calling him Speedy Johnson (laughs) because he showed that off. That really changed the game that was the play of uh that was the the game right there wrote the play excuse me the play that changed the game and then also i believe the season too the fact that they were able to come back in that victory in that manner and win in that manner i think says a lot about eli drinkwitz progression as a head coach yep. this year luther burton and also brady cook how they have performed this season their growth 
I honestly was not expecting this this season from Mizzou. And I'll be the first to say it is that I had some of my doubts about this progression. I think bringing in Kirby Moore was a huge thing for Eli Drinkwitz to do. But I also have to give Eli Drinkwitz credit for just really growing as a head coach because you have to feel very confidently in yourself and your guys to go for that situation there. Yeah, you're down 14 to nothing. It's yeah. almost like if you punt it back to him, you you kind of know what's going to happen. Being mm-hmm. down twenty one nothing on the road is is you can you can just pack it in and, and get stuff start preparing <laughs> the buses to get ready to go home. But if you are able to score, which they were, to kind of change the momentum of that game, it, it does something. Trick plays do something to the opposing team where it just kind of sends a shock, a jolt through them. Now they're on guard for the rest of the game, and Mizzou was able to come back and, and pull through and win that game. But like I said, if you go down. Three touchdowns, which you probably are if you have to punt that ball away. Whew. Yeah, it, it's the, the 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 energy and the the tide is shifted to the opposing team with oh, that fake yeah. punt. The, the Mizzou Tigers were able to keep that energy on their side. That was insane. It really yeah. was. Well, that was that was our favorite things that we loved from this weekend. Coming up next on the opening drive, we were talking about the NFL and how just crazy of a weekend it was. It's going to be time for the NFL four downs, where we'll discuss that. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber say Peters is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for NFL Four Downs. First down. So, Brooke, Brock, two teams were undefeated going into this weekend, projected to win games versus the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns, and the both of the Eagles and the 49ers took losses on the road to both of those teams. The Jets beat the Eagles for the first time ever in their history. And the 49ers lose a game to the third-string quarterback. Now, the 49ers had a few injuries. They lost Christian McCaffrey. They lost Debo Samuel. The Jets beat the Eagles down, and the Eagles turned the ball over four times. But to go on the road, to be 5-0, and to lose to a backup quarterback and a team that is just trying to figure things out in the New York Jets, it was, it was depressing. It was, it was bad. It was bad ball. It was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else that you can say about that. It really was. What do you what were your other like kind of big takeaways from that? The 49ers looked average. Mm-hmm. Without Christian McCaffrey, without Debo Samuel, you would have hoped that Brock Purdy, because there was a lot of talks going into that game in terms of him just being a, a guy. Yeah. And not being one of the elite guys, but having elite talent, which allowed him to be successful. He only had a hundred and 
15 yards or so, and he barely got over the 100-yard mark on that last drive for the 49ers. They lost on the last-second field goal. Uh, so they had an opportunity to win it, but they just couldn't seal the deal. The Philadelphia Eagles looked just out of sorts. They turned the ball over four times. Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball to the opposing team left and right. It was just really bad football to watch those two teams play uh, this weekend. Two teams that are are favored in the NFC to just show up and not perform in the manner in which they did. It has to be frustrating for that team and for those head coaches. Yeah, well, I thought that the Browns defense, though, that's something that I guess you could take away as a positive for yeah. the Browns. Their Browns defense is really, really good. And I think that that also kind of accounted for probably some of the injuries that you saw, too, with with Debo and then also McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, and Purdy struggled. I don't know. How much stake do you put into weather conditions and how that factors no. in the quarterback? No. I know that a lot of people brought that up, but you know the point that you brought up there, too, they were able to at least get it close, and yeah. they had the potential to win on a 41-yard field goal there towards the end. So maybe there's a positive. It is hard when you lose your weapons like that in a yeah. game to really come back. It is, and like I said, it, it the, the troubling part for me is the questions that were going into that game about who Brock Purdy is. Yes. Is he an elite talent or is he just surrounded by elite talent? Correct. And he looked just like a guy that's surrounded by elite talent as opposed to a guy that is in that, you know, second tier of, of top tier quarterbacks. I, hopefully they get healthy because if you had, don't have Christian McCaffrey who went out with an oblique, uh, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel who went out with a shoulder injury, hopefully they can uh, they can get some things corrected because that was that was not a good that was not a good game and not a good loss for the uh, San Francisco 49ers yesterday. Yeah, I guess the biz, biggest thing will to to see how they respond yeah. moving forward because as you mentioned there, if this continues where you have those two out due to injury and you see Brock Purdy struggle like this, then that conversation conversation heats up even more of like okay. Like he is just a guy, essentially, and is not a franchise quarterback. Because we talked about that. If you put other quarterbacks in this situation, would they be able to do the same thing as Brock Purdy? Uh, After that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Second down. Second down. Guys... I don't want to talk about the Tennessee Titans this much when they are two and four on the season, but man, London did not treat the Titans well. And it seems like London is really becoming a curse this season, Mm. right? Like what is going on with these injuries? I I mean, what is up with these injuries this season in London? Coming into the game, Ryan Tannehill had taken the fifth most sacks in the league. That was 17. After being sacked two more times by the Ravens in that game in London, uh, he left the game due to injury and was seen in crutches afterwards, on crutches afterwards, and he will get an MRI when they get back here to the States. The Titans fell to the Ravens 24-16 in London. It was just a terrible game. The only positive being Derrick Henry. If you just want to run the Wildcat the rest of the season, I brought that up, when was that, like a few (laughs) weeks ago? Why don't you just do that at this point? Because he's the only positive thing offensively they have. And I know not everything is going to be on Ryan Tannehill, but here's another season where he's 30 five years old he's experiencing an injury and then you bring in Malik Willis into the game and 
to me, second year quarterback, I know that obviously he hasn't had much time, but still second year quarterback, I didn't see that growth that I wanted to see from Malik Willis. So now the talk in Tennessee is, is this the chance? Is this the time that Will Levis will take over in this situation as Ryan Tannehill gets healthy? Because that's, I think that that's the next step here. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is the answer, obviously, for the future. His contract is done after the season, but I think that you need to see what you have with Will Levis. And if you would have thought that Malik Willis was your starting quarterback of the future, you wouldn't have drafted Will Levis this season. Well, if you thought Ryan Tannehill was the future quarterback, you wouldn't have drafted either one of them. So my thing is that the Titans have a bye week after this game in London. So they'll be they'll have time off to kind of figure some things out. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that you'll ever see Ryan Tannehill start another game for the Tennessee Titans. Really? Yeah. Because you think if this you, is it? it? It's the perfect time, right? If you yeah. are injured and you have a bye week, and you've drafted two quarterbacks over the last two years, this is the perfect time to figure out which one of those two guys is going to be your starter for the rest of the season. And when you look at the record and the standings, you have to ask yourself, do we have a chance to win the AFC South? Yes and no. You're you're in dead last <laughs> yes. behind the Houston Isn't that Texans. The question every so year? <laughs> yes, you do, but no, you really don't because it, yeah. it's the AFC South. So things may come back to you, but at the end of the day, you're dead last in the South, and so. Here you are, two and four. You got your starting quarterback is hurt. You have a bye week. You have an opportunity to give one of those two young guys an opportunity to figure out which one of those guys are going to be the starter. And if they don't perform well, you put yourself in a position to have a higher draft pick for next year. It's this is the point where they have to make that decision of which direction we're going to go. And I think that direction is going to be towards let's start one of these younger guys and and see what we can get out of them. Yeah, it's just, it's disappointing because I had at least a little bit of high hopes for the Titans this year because I think the AFC South is so winnable, but they always just miss the mark every single season. And by the way, that Ryan Tannehill ankle injury, it's the same ankle that he aggravated last year. So to your point, that will be hard for him possibly to recover from. And he's 35 years old. Yep. Nope, it's fine. Third down. So my third down, it was a there was a game between the Houston Texans and the uh, New Orleans Saints, mm. and I can honestly say it has never felt so different for two three and two teams. The Houston Texans, <laughs> if you're three and two and you're the Houston Texans, you are ecstatic. You are jumping off of the walls. You are just all over the place excited. <laughs> if you're the New Orleans Saints and you're three and two, you're like, oh my god, we just lost to the Texans, a team that drafted a quarterback in the first round, a team that had two picks in the top three of the last year's draft, the New Orleans Saints stink. And it is <laughs> it is troubling for me to watch them play football because it's I, I love offense and I don't know what they're doing offensively. It, it, it's one of the most puzzling things that I've seen. Minus, other than that 34 to, 40, 34 to nothing win last week, this team is, is just barely scoring points. And you have Alvin Kamara back. You got so and much so talent I just on that offensive side. I, I don't get it whatsoever. Did you see that video too on the sidelines of James Winston talking to Alvin Kamara? <laughs> hey, and Kamara's listen. just like, I don't care. <laughs> listen, I would love to sit. I would just talk. I would. I just want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. James Winston he is hilarious He looked like he was on like level 10 yeah. and Kamara's like on zero just yeah. over it at this point. <laughs> it looked like he was agreeing with him, but James just kept going like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I got it. Uh, but the Houston Texans, man, are, are a really good team. Um, three and two, DeMarco, 
D'Amico Ryans has those guys playing extremely well for a first-year head coach. And just to watch them compete week after week after week in the manner in which they do, they are in pretty much every game. They lost last week on the last second field goal. Other than that, they'd be four and one. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they are they are I'm sorry, four and two. So they are um a really good team that is is showing themselves to to be headed in the right direction. Well, my last job is going to be the Bills and Giants game. The Bills were able to win 14-9 to against the Giants last night. What in the world was that game, CD? No because clue. that was absolutely terrible. Also, hopefully everything is okay with Damian Harris. That was a yeah. very, very scary moment where the ambulance had to come out. Mm-hmm. Was it weird to you that they had DeMar Hamlin's number on the ambulance? Did you see that on the back windows? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, they did. No, and some people were like, is that... I don't know. It's kind of creepy and eerie, but hopefully everything will be okay with Damian Harris. But there was a lot of just head scratching moments in that game, and the Bills came away with the win. But it, did it really feel like a good victory in that game? No, the Bills have played a couple of games back to back. They played in London, lost last week, and they played this week, which I felt like this was a trap game. Anytime you go <laughs> into a game where the opposing team's starting quarterback is out, you kind of you, you you take a deep breath. You're like, oh, okay. Make yeah. life a little bit easier, but that team that you're playing against is they they have they have all all of the things in their favor because they're playing with house money. And so Tyrod Taylor comes out there. If the if the New York Giants are able to score at ha- before halftime mm-hmm. or score before the end of the game, either one of those, you get two one yard opportunities yes. in, in the, at the end of the first half and the end of the second half. And you come away with zero points. You're probably not going to win. But it, that was a if you're the Buffalo Bills, you got to be looking at yourselves and trying to figure out a win is a win. You're excited about it, but you can't be too too happy with how you all finished that game. No, and we were talking about this before the show. Probably just one of the most head-scratching moments to me was right before halftime where the clock management just did not exist. Why yeah. would you run the ball when you don't have any time timeouts yeah, that left? that was a bad decision by old Tyrod Taylor, and I'm sure he thought I, what I think happened is they have a check. You know, you 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 work all week on certain plays, and if they align like this versus this play, we're going to audible to this play. And so I think that that's what took place, but not knowing or understanding game situations. Yeah, in a normal situation, we would love to audible to this, but on 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 the on, what was it fourth and one on the goal line, no timeouts left. We have to score. This can't be the audible that we make. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you saw Brian Dayball telling him at the end of the first half. Hey, yeah, that's the right check, but not in that situation. So – Understanding game game awareness, understanding time time management, and understanding when to audible and what to audible to, that has to take place, and that was just a bad decision. By it the, looked uh, like they were table. looking for a timeout almost, uh, like that they yeah, were they expecting didn't have it. anymore. Yeah, and then they were like scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bad moment. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Take it or leave it. Is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Welcome back. 
to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, also in studio. No Randy Carricker today. He is going to be hitting the golf course. It looks nice and sunny outside, so it's a good day to do that, right? It is. I guess any day is a good day to not work and play golf. <laughs> He's gotten to figure it out. It is now time for Take It or Leave It. So get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. You can also check us out on YouTube today. We have our beautiful studio cams that gets us on the YouTube channel. Thanks to the Air Alliance team, you can see us there. You can also get your Take It and Leave It's there. But, uh, Carrie, why don't you start us out with your Take It or Leave It? So last night we saw the ALCS. We saw, you know, a couple of teams play really well. A couple of starting pitchers going to the seventh inning. Take it or leave it, Brooke. You didn't know that starting pitchers were allowed to go to the seventh <laughs> inning. I, especially Jordan Montgomery. What, what in the world was that? I, I thought. See, I thought after five, his arm would kind of fall Just off fall and have to be reattached. Yeah. So that's why they 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 would pull him out. So, yeah. So, so I, it is amazing. No, I I'm gonna have to take it because <laughs> I was very surprised to see that he could do that because you didn't get to see that much with the Cardinals. If you look to at um, how deep that he went into the game prior to. Texas. If you look at what he did with the Cardinals, I don't think he got to the seventh inning this season. I don't believe. And but then when you see he goes over to the Rangers, that happened pretty frequently. Mm. And so he was allowed to do that. And we mentioned that the bullpen is something that you had to, I guess, be worried about with the Rangers. But when your starting pitcher is a horse like that, like Jordan Montgomery going deeper into games, you don't really have to worry about that as much, as long as they just don't completely blow it there at the end. But he looked fantastic, and I think it's also a testament to Maddox and just letting him roll and the trust that they all have each other, because that's what I feel like it is, right? Outside of the analytics, the numbers, is just having that trust of, okay, Jordan Montgomery can go this far into the game, and also I trust him to get out of these situations, like we saw in the fourth with that bases loaded jam. I agree. It was, uh, I mean, just it's good baseball, man. Good, good managing, good game. You know, two nothing loss for the Astros, but still a good game. They all played well. It was. Uh, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. Yeah, and so my take it or leave it is also going to play into that because after seeing Jordan Montgomery pitch in the playoffs, I think that he's going to get paid a lot of money. We talked about six and a third scoreless last night against the Astros. Two zero eight ERA so far in this postseason. Uh, take it or leave it, he is going to get five years, $125 million. So kind of a similar comp to a lefty that has signed, a free agent lefty that signed. If you look at that Robbie Ray contract, five years, $150 million. Jordan Montgomery is 30. He'll be turning 31 soon this year. I think that he's going to have a huge payday, especially with this performance that you've seen so far. 20, 25 a year for, for old Monty? Yeah. I would... I wouldn't be surprised if it eh, twenty seven. I mean, just depending, yeah. uh, twenty seven a year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you may start it at five for one twenty five and end up with you know a little bit more than that. Yeah. Uh, what's that one thirty five around there for for five years, something like that. I think he's going to be uh, sought after. If he has a couple of more performances like that. Uh, definitely going to be some guys looking for him for sure. And Scott Boris is his agent, so we know what Scott Boris can do. He can get you a pretty big payday. And with this performance that you've seen during the postseason, it'd be like, yeah, we're going to keep jacking those numbers up. So a second take it or leave it to play off that, he has now pitched his way out of the Cardinals' pocketbook. Oh. <sighs> 
<laughs> he did that when they traded him. <laughs> but, but, when but they Carrie, traded him. But Carrie, they bro, said that the door would always be bro, open. I want to believe that. I want to believe it. I said this during the season. If the Cardinals had any hopes or any aspirations to re-sign Jordan Montgomery, they should have done it while he was performing poorly. Yeah. Because that's when you could have gotten him for a for a probably twenty twenty two million a year, which would have been really good at that time for this Cardinals rotation because they need it. They mm-hmm. still need starting pitching, and that would have been the best time to do it when he was struggling. You buy low, sell high. You 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 want to be able to get a guy when he's not performing at his best, and it was looking pretty bleak for for Jordan Montgomery at one point. Like he was struggling, and so yeah. that's when you should have signed him. Mm-hmm. Because you know his track record, you know what he is, and so now you let him, you you, you trade him to another team. You want to go, you want to go pay twenty seven million a year for something you could pro- could have probably gotten for twenty two. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah, not great business in my opinion. Yeah, no, and that and that's the thing. To your point too, spring training, Jordan Montgomery made it clear that he was. I mean, he wanted to have extension talks with the Cardinals. That would have been a good time to go ahead and lock him up because, as you mentioned there, the starting pitching is something they're going to have to address this offseason anyways. To be able to keep Jordan Montgomery could have been huge for them and at least one less starting pitcher that you would have had to look for. Eh, you got to get three, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. We'll put, we'll put air quotes around that. Rock, what do we have on the text line? <laughs> take it or leave it. Kerry Davis is delusional if he still thinks we're getting three pitchers. Uh, oh. I'll take it. I, I, randomly I, I came honestly, the very top of the text line. I honestly didn't. I am of the belief that when he said three starters, I thought that that was delusional upon him. So <laughs> you were already like, ah, I'm not Look buying this. this. Look at this. Yeah, but now he's already walked back on it. <laughs> so it's just not great. It's not great yeah. whatsoever. Oh. Take your leave. We all strive to get Randy's schedule one day. Oh, oh. I'm gonna take that. Just think, you work for 40 years, and you and you and you're at the very top of your your field for a lot of it. You build up a lot of vacation days, I guess. Yeah. And so good for him. He More power to it. him. You dang right he does. Yes. I'll take. I'll take it though. I he can that. golf his heart out. Amen to that. Take it or leave it. Unless there's an injury, Scott Perunovich will not play in 20 games this season. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. You guys were saying 60-plus games for Tory Krug, which I think is the most... You think he's going to be hurt? he's going to stay Is healthy. the best place in the lineup for Scott Perunovich based on their styles of play. That, I just think, if you, if, if you think Perunovich is playing... If you think Tory Krug's playing 65 games, well, that's 17 potential games for Perunovich. Where are the other three coming from? It might be other injuries. I don't know, but... Ooh. Not a lot of How places. many? 20? 20 games. So that he won't or well, will? There, there will be. You said take it or leave it. He take will play? It. No, unless there's an injury, Scott Perunovich oh. won't play in 20 games I'll this take season. it. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it as well. I, the unless there's an injury. I, he, he, I mean, And I don't want anybody no, to get injured. But it's, but, it's, it's professional yeah. sports. People get hurt every day. Yes. Especially with the whole Tory Krug situation. We have seen that injury history. And he already got injured at the beginning of the season. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> How about that? How about that? <laughs> take it or leave it. The Cardinals never said which three pitchers. <laughs> I'm gonna take which, that. It's left yeah. to interpretation. This is that's that that Technically, could. Technically, uh... Drew Verhagen is a pitcher. Oh, <laughs> we'll miss him. What? We'll miss him. Take it or leave it. The Bills are in trouble. Hmm. I will actually. They have had two major injuries in the last couple of weeks prior to this one. 
Milano went down, Trey White went down. Those are are really important Sorry, key pieces. What, what do those guys have those to are, do with scoring 14 points against well, the Giants? That that has nothing to do with that. But if you can't stop anybody, that definitely changes what you're doing yeah. on the offensive end. The Giants weren't exactly moving the ball. Uh, they, they, listen, no. man. They, they, when you lose a star, <laughs> a star turn, saying, it I'm impacts the saying. entire roster. So that you, the question was, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, my answer is yes. Oh, they didn't. And again, the I, I yesterday was a trap game for the Buffalo Bills. You're playing a team down its starting quarterback. Your natural inclination is to <sighs> take a deep breath and relax just a little bit until you realize, oh. They're going to punch us in the face. We got to respond. And that's what happened last night with the New York Giants. I'll I'll give you a little bit of an edited one then. Take it or leave it. Top teams in the NFL, you're more worried about Josh Allen than you are Brock Purdy. Ooh. Relative to their talent level. Obviously. The quarterback's talent level? Yes, relative to so the talent around him. From what you them. expect from Josh Allen, from what you expect from Josh Purdy, which one Josh of you is actually Purdy. making you worry more I, I after would, the last two games? I would worry more... I would and Brock Purdy didn't look good yesterday, but I would worry more about Josh Allen exactly. because he's more talented. Yes. Exactly. And, and the when expectations you're more talented, are way well, higher. When you're more talented, you have you feel like you can do anything. Brock Purdy is gonna play in the system. He's gonna give take what the defense gives him. He's gonna do exactly what he's coached to do. Josh Allen's gonna do some stuff. You're like, bro, what are you? Oh no, no, no. Okay, good job. No, 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 no. Why did you do that? Like you just it may be good, it may be bad, and and you don't know because he is so talented. Well, let's do one more, Brock. We're done? Oh, okay. Just kidding. No more. <laughs> Take it or leave it. We are done with this segment. Well, I'm, trying to be good. I'm trying to be good with the clock. Oh, okay. I'm trying to be fine, good with the clock. Fine, fine, fine. We'll be better with clock yes, management. Exactly. Better than uh, someone's weekend. Well, that's Carrie. I'm Brooke. Coming up next, we have something interesting to talk about here. Is it a not-so-crazy thought now that Yadier Molina could be returning to the Cardinals? That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brings me back to Molina. The Cardinals need to beef up their staff. Add someone who Ollie respects and would listen to. Someone the players respect and would listen to. I think Molina checks that box. Enough so, I'm told, there's mutual interest. Keep in mind, this wouldn't just be a publicity stunt or a way to excite a frustrated fan base. Molina has managed at the international level, and it's believed he wants to manage in the big leagues. This would be a step in that direction. Now, at this point, I don't think the Cardinals have made an offer, and it's not clear if Molina would accept But the idea of Yachty back to the Cardinals is on the table. And after their disastrous season, everything should be on the table. That was Martin Kilcoin yesterday on Fox 2 on his TKO segment talking about the potential return of Yadier Molina. I'm Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley. Brooke, how, how impactful would the return of Yadier Molina to this Cardinals staff in this Cardinals clubhouse in St. Louis in general be for this St. Louis Cardinals franchise going forward? It would be hugely impactful. And I think that's even putting it lightly. The way that you've seen, I mean, 
over the years, just being able to witness how Yadier Molina has really just a great relationship with the players in the clubhouse, but he was essentially their catching instructor for a long time. I told you guys the story about just watching him work during spring training while he was here. He handled everything on the catching side. And also on the pitching side, you've heard so many players, including Adam Wainwright, who of course was his longtime battery mate, but other pitchers as well is like, he's like another pitching coach. Mm-hmm. I think bringing Yadier Molina back would be huge for the organization. We talked about adding some guys who have been there and done that in your dugout, and Yadier Molina would check all those boxes. I wouldn't be surprised, say that theoretically he does come back, that you make him your pitching coach. We saw it with Dave uh, Dave Duncan in the past, how that has worked out, where you had a catcher transition to the pitching coach. It makes sense because of what I just mentioned there about how all the pitchers talk about how Yadier Molina really helped them grow mm-hmm. as pitchers. To me, him being a pitching coach just makes sense for the Cardinals. And as I mentioned, you saw that with Dave Duncan. It worked out. It was very successful having that play out. My question would be, is if Yanni comes back to the dugout, how much control will the Cardinals let him have? Because if you bring Yadier Molina back, I can tell you one thing. He's going to do it Yadier's yeah. way, and he's not going to do it any other way, which I think is fantastic because we've been talking about having that feel for the game, having that gut instinct. He has all that, and also he has just the energy, the passion. And when he talks, guys stop in their tracks and they listen. So if he comes back, I don't think that he would just come in and just say, okay, I'll just listen to whatever you say. He's going to say, no, this is where I see where the problems are. We're changing this, this, and this. You would have to give him so much control. Don't you believe that? I think so. And I think it would be beneficial, not just for the pitching staff, but for Wilson Contreras as well. I think if you brought back a Yadier Molina, how much it can change your entire team because now instead of trying to play Wilson Contreras in the outfield or have him as a DH, you can have him as your catcher as you paid him to be and allow your roster and your lineup to be more potent because you have the bat and you have another bat in the lineup. And so I think it does so many things for this team, both defensively, offensively. It makes so much sense, but I agree with you. You are going to have to allow him to be him because you know, one thing about players, if, if they are a certain way as the player and Yachty seemed to be the type of person that, yeah, I know what I need to do. I know what mm-hmm. our team needs to do to be successful. I don't really want to hear all of the outsiders that aren't in the moment right here, right now. Uh, I think it would be very beneficial for this Cardinals team. Now, would they be willing to allow that to happen is the question, because what we've seen is there's a lot of uh, it feels like there's there is a lot of outside factors that take place on the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to be if you're going to bring back a Yadier Molina and tell him he has control over the pitchers, over the catchers, you're going to have to let him do his job and probably not micromanage him in the manner in which it feels like most of these guys are. And that's the perception, right? And that's the perception of after everything that happened with the whole Mike Schiltz situation, the philosophical differences, no matter who you brought in, whether it was Ollie, whether it was Stubby, whoever got the job after Mike Schiltz, the perception was set of where people are going to think whoever takes this job is going to almost be a puppet in that situation that you're going to have to fall in line with what the front office is saying and so I kind of hope and you know Martin Kilcoin talked about that you know he doesn't know how far these talks have gone but from his understanding the talks are happening I hope that maybe that's also signaling that they're being more open-minded to kind of allowing giving up some of that control in a sense 
We want to get fans' reactions. So get your text dropped in to get your text in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Or leave us a mic drop at the 101 ESPN app. Let us know what you think about Yachty potentially coming back to be a part of this Cardinal staff. How impactful would it be? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think it's a great thing. So hopefully, you know, we can get some uh some some guys in here that have been here that understand the Cardinal way. Because I think that also is with Adam Wainwright retiring, uh, you know, you don't have anyone that truly knows mm-hmm. the Cardinal way. Who is who is on this roster that has won a championship for the St. Louis Cardinals at this point? Mm, there no. is not anyone, that's, uh, is there? In the coaching staff, Willie that, McGee? That's yeah. on the roster. Oh, yeah, that's, that's on the a roster. player on yes. the roster. They, they, Adam, no. I think Adam was the last one. So you yeah. have to have people that understand what the Cardinal way is and how to go about it from the player's perspective. Yeah. It, I, I think Willie McGee is definitely, <laughs> he, he can definitely assist But yeah, as you're talking about a player, because yeah. it's the biggest thing that you've said this season is that it's still on the players to execute on the field, yes. right? And that sounds so simple, but just to carry on the Cardinal way, I think that this will be just really interesting to see if this plays out because, you know, I do the show with Polo Asensio Bach about it, which we have on our YouTube channel on 101 ESPN, where you can check it out. And I've talked to Polo about this on some of the shows. If Yadi Armolina would be interested in becoming a manager, I've said that to Polo and he said, yes, he can see him being a manager of the Cardinals, but he also said he didn't think it would be too soon. He's enjoying his life in Puerto Rico and so I'm, I'd be interested to see if this happens next season, then that plays into what the Cardinals are saying about they're expecting a quick turnaround in 2024. But in order for Yai to get here and leave, leave life behind in Puerto Rico, it sounds like it would have to be a pretty good deal and also where he would be able to have a lot of control in things. Indeed. Lisa here texting in. I just want to get this one in. She says, I'm so happy. Winner, winner. Yachty, he's a winner. You make him the manager. Let Marmol be the bench coach. As much You give him as much control as he wants. Again, he is a winner. And that's why. That's the, the, Listen, that's the that's the, the sink. That's like the pothole in this discussion <laughs> that, that fans are going to immediately get caught up in, which is that every player who is successful means he can be a successful coach. And it's just... Well, you I think never, he, say, he managed I think, Puerto Rico. I'm aware of that. It's a different. It's a going to the majors is a completely different thing. This is a guy who didn't want to be inside of the daily grind of baseball last year, even when he was on the roster. And so I'm just wondering, yeah, like, how, a basketball team. I know, but, I, but how quickly team. is how quickly <laughs> is if that? If you had a basketball team, you would be going checking on. You're a basketball team that he owns. But, how, but is that ambition <laughs> done with already? Is he done with the basketball team? Uh, no. Well, then what do we? There then, is a there is a. How are we having the conversation? There is a then? grind. I mean, I well, think as a coach I think, too. Well, no, yeah. But how we talked about that? The grind. It's a different type of grind. There is a physical grind, and then there's the mental grind. But your family's still not here. You still got your basketball team down there. I mean, the, the same things that were the variables that caused the trouble his last season will still be present if he's managing next year. I'm not saying this we're isn't not, a thing he, he, for the future, but I'm saying this being a thing, like she, like Brooke was saying, this being a thing for this year or even, or, or next year or even the year after that, I think 2028 is like a realistic timetable for the this. The further away you get from it, the harder it is to to get involved. So if he wants and, and not, get involved, I mean mentally, not actually getting involved, because he will have an opportunity to do that no matter what. But I think that the physical grind of being behind that plate every day <laughs> in the summer exactly. in St. Louis is and a lot different than sitting on the bench 
and managing. That's those are they're both grinds, but there is a physical grind. One is a physical, one is a mental grind. And if he's willing to take on the mental grind of it all as a bench coach, as a hitting, uh, a pitching coach, whatever, whatever role they see him in, I would, I would, uh, I think most St. Louis Cardinal fans would welcome it. Rock, that, I'm telling you, he was he was managing <laughs> a lot of things behind the scenes for the Cardinals. A lot of stuff that you've seen where we kind of talked oh, about yeah. the starting pitchers oh, God, were being yeah. babied essentially by Yanni. That's because they didn't need to think that much. They relied on Yanni. So Auto having him pilot. back. On. Exactly. Yeah, sounds like something Having he wants to jump right back huge. into. It sounds like something, something he wants to jump right back into. It didn't seem like it was grading on him at all. He loves, I, he enjoys that stuff so much. I can promise you that. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we have the voice of the blues, our great friend, Chris Kerber, New York Giants fan. We'll talk to him Uh-oh. about that no, and the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. No Randy character today, but we do have Matthew Rocchio in studio. And now we go to our celebrity line to talk to the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how are you doing this Monday morning? Brooke, I'm awesome. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing good. We're rolling without Randy this morning. He's out on the golf course. <laughs> it's always tough, but yes, I know. Having Mondays off is great. So, Curbs, I want to start off with something that Jeremy Rutherford just tweeted out on X, as you call it now, formerly known as Twitter. He updated that Pavel Buchnevich, nothing official right now, sounds like he could be missing one to two weeks with an upper body injury. Talk about what you saw on that game in Saturday with Buchnevich and how hard this could be possible losing Buchnevich for one to two weeks? Well, if, if that's all it is, uh, and I haven't seen Jeremy's tweet, nor have I talked to uh, the team yet, uh, but if, if that's all it is, then uh, that's okay. <laughs> you know, you know. now you hope it's not an injury that becomes a lingering thing. Like, uh, you remember when you found out a couple years ago at the end of the year that Braden Shen mm-hmm. basically played with broken ribs throughout the whole year, right? Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, the the hit was a big one. I mean, they 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 got two massive defensemen, and it was Jamie Oleksiak, who's six foot seven, that ended up hitting them. And so it, they were big, and you know, uh, unfortunately, because uh, we didn't get a camera angle down in that corner like, like we used to have, uh, it was you know we didn't see a great replay of that hit, but. Um, you know, he was hit hard. He was hit violently and awkwardly and went into the, the boards there. And, you know, when he didn't come back, you knew something was up. So it's, it's a loss for this team. Look, I, 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 I put in our first edition of the, the curbside podcast there that our post game podcast that we're doing. Uh, I, I said that one of the top 10 keys to the season for the St. Louis Blues to me is the health of Pavel Butchnevich, just because of the fact that, you know, I, I I look at him in terms of scoring ability, in terms of uh, the the fact that he plays special teams, both of them, uh, and and that he's on the top line. That, that to me, you're talking about you know arguably your best all around player. Um, you know, and and so you need him, and you're going to need him more than, than than you're not. So 
if it is just a week or two, especially with the fact that the blue schedule is still fairly light, that's a good thing, I think. Curbs, Jordan Bennington has saved 63 of the 65 shots he's faced this season. What are you seeing from him? He seems to be playing outstanding so far. What have you seen from him? Kerry, who's the one guy that's probably not surprised about that? <laughs> right here. Okay. All right. Have I wavered on that topic yet? Nope. Nope. I, look, <laughs> it was going to take, in my opinion, it still will take this, right? You put a good team in front of Jordan and then let him have a season like last year, and then we'll then, then I'll have the conversation with somebody. Uh, I I thought throughout his uh, training camp he was focused. I thought he was terrific all camp long. Um, and all last season, you know, uh, just to, to the point of ad nauseum, you, I mean, it was pretty much, look, yes, you do need better play from everybody, including your goaltender. But when you were fifth in the league in terms of most goals allowed on second-chance opportunities, you know, there's only so much a goalie can do there. So, um, I think Jordan has been fantastic. He's been calm. He's been making the saves. He's been making big saves. And the and I think, you know, one of the early, I guess, observations of the season is going to, you know, so far for me is the fact that it looks as if this defensive system could give up, you know, a fair amount of shots on goal. And by fair amount, I would say average of about 30 shots on goal a game. And it's been over 30 in the first two games. And if that's the case, you're going to need your goaltender to be really good. But if a lot of those chances are coming from the outside and they're long shots and you're doing a good job of boxing out and not letting too many of them get deflected, like, for example, the Jaden Schwartz goal was a deflected in goal, right, that, that changed directions right on the doorstep. If you can limit the number of those, then uh, Jordan's going to be fine. I, I thought uh, he, 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 to me, is was probably the biggest reason that uh, you ended up picking up three out of a possible four points to start the year. You just touched on it right there, Curbs, but what do you think of the defensive scheme so far through these two games? Well, I think what's, what's really obvious is the fact that they, they, it's, and they put a focus on it. So much so that I think the offense is, has been stagnant as a result, and that's fine. I, I, you know, when you're talking about a team that's built this way, that has to re- rediscover a new system. It, it takes time. You know, when you go out and you play the system, and keep keep in mind that when you the, – the team was only on the ice as a full NHL team once in the preseason. And when they did that, they weren't playing against a full team. It, it, I believe it was in Columbus, right? Uh, so your first action as a full team against full NHL talent is the regular season – and you're working on a brand new system defensively in your own zone that requires, you know, specific things from forwards, defensemen, what have you. Colton Pareko was given the forwards high praise on coming back and, and, and defending really well after Saturday night's game. And once you get into this, then the coaches have something to actually coach. Okay, here's the system. Great. We've now seen it in action. Tweak this, tweak that, add this, add that. And, and you hope that you will see growth in that system. So the first two games – uh, the Blues, I think, have been very, very good. Look, yes, they haven't scored a lot of goals, but you've only allowed two goals as well, and you've only allowed one even-strength goal through two games plus two full overtime periods, and I think that's encouraging. Is there any concern about the, the power play? Uh, haven't scored yet. Uh, first game, didn't get any shots on goal the first couple of first couple of opportunities. Do you have any concern there? 
Yeah, I, I, I do actually. It, it's it's looked so far very similar to last year, where um, you know you, you look at it and you go, okay, I don't, I don't know like what is. And uh, yes, we'll, we'll talk with the coaches at some point here once you get a few games in, uh, and and see if it kind of sorts itself out a little bit, because for the same reason as before, you don't have a Ryan O'Reilly, you don't have a Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, you, right now you don't have Pavel Butchnevich again, so. You know, the reality of it is, is you're using some different personnel. Sammy Blay is, is now a, a full-time power play guy on a second power play unit. You know, you've got Kaffin and you've got Verona. You're working some new guys in there. So, to me, I think you got to give it some time. They've got the coaching to get that figured out. But the fact that you've basically gone 0 for 4 in each of the first two games and over 12 minutes, 12 minutes and 48 seconds, I believe it is, of total power play time and have two shots on goal, isn't going to get it done. It's just not going to get it done. So on that sense, so um, new personnel is a big part of it, but a shooting mentality has got to come out. And I would be shocked against the Arizona Coyotes if you didn't start to see a lot more shots on net when it comes to the power play. Now the flip side of that, Gary, the, the penalty killing, yes, it gave up a power play goal by Jaden Schwartz. who was in the final 10 seconds of, of, of the penalty kill. But, man, this team has been pretty disciplined through the first two games, and that's another good sign and a characteristic of a good Barubi team. Uh, it definitely is. Curbs, I want to shift gears because I know you are a New York Giants fan, and I know you stayed up to watch that game last night. It was <laughs> it, it was, ha- it was heartbreaking because they had two opportunities at the one-yard line and got zero points, Curbs. And I know we don't want to talk about it, but what did you see from your New York Giants last night? I don't, I don't... – <laughs> How can they continue to be that bad? That bad? Like, I don't know. Like, like I, I truly don't. Like, I don't care. Like, we can talk about some NHL teams. We can talk about some Major League Baseball teams, right? But when you get high draft picks, when, you, when you're trying to build something, how are you consistently that bad year in, year out now for that doggone long? I mean, it's just it's, – if, if that is the case, it is just organizational incompetence. And, and honestly, God, that, that's – I don't even blame the players anymore at this point. I mean, I, mean yeah. I guess we have to. But, you know, it's just organizational incompetence that you either haven't built up the mental toughness, the skill, the coaching, uh, whatever it may be, that, that you finally get to the point where maybe you've got a chance to do something in the game like you did last night and then you punt. I mean, by punt, I mean you just you just yeah. you choke. So, I um, – yeah. It's frustrating, but the good news is, is like I've kind of learned in sports following the Giants that you can get used to it. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> I don't want to get used to that. Like, oh, no. Well, think about this. Like, well, think about this. They're like, okay, I mean, the Cubs have gotten used to it except for like one year yeah. and, you know, in, in 100 plus. Yeah, uh, Buffalo Sabres fans have gotten used to it. You know, if you're just if, if, if you if you're you're a New York Giants fan, just just get used to it, and you know, sit there and go onto Twitter and watch highlights of of Otis Anderson and and Lawrence Taylor, and just let it warm your heart. Curbs, you know what? You might have a point. I I am an Illini, and I I definitely understand that wholeheartedly. You just get used to it. I every week I used to do the Illini games, and every week I would be frustrated. Why do I do this to myself? Oh, I'll be back next week. I, so yeah, you get used to it. You do. It's unfortunate. You, listen, do you know? You know, I'm gonna okay. M- m- topic for another day. We we can get into this a little bit, but topic for another day. And, and this is why this is why what's going on, what happened last year with both the Blues and the Cardinals, 
and the off season and the beginning of the next year are so critical. Like you guys, we you can talk about pitching staffs and going after pitching all you want, blah blah blah. Okay, I I think the issue is bigger than just pitching. All right, so what I'm getting at is a losing culture can permeate and creep into your organization fast. Winning cultures can be fragile. That's why you have to continue to cultivate them. You have to continue to demand a certain of excellence. Winning cultures are hard to keep because you've got to do it consistently year in, year out to build that culture. And honestly, one really bad year can cause problems. And if you let a losing culture come into your organization, it can take a long time to shake it out. And that would be my concern from a, uh, you know, from a local sports standpoint. And that's why I like to start for the St. Louis Blues, but look at the Giants. They're a perfect example. I mean, they're, they're a long way from anything that resembles a winning culture. Oh, Curbs, I can tell you that you are fired up, uh, fired up about your Giants. Hopefully it will maybe get better, question mark, for, for them this season. It's the New York Giants. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, the Jets, we get it, but it's the Jets. <laughs> oh, no. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Curbs. And you mentioned earlier in the show, Curbside, just tell everybody what that's about, and you can check it out on the 101 ESPN app. Yeah, we're, we're uh, we started the uh, curbside, and part of it is going to be curbside reaction. And so, uh, morning after every Blues game, we've got a reaction podcast. You'll hear all the radio highlights. You'll get reaction from Joey. Uh, we'll, we'll pull in some different analysts as well to get you some entertainment action. I give my top top five uh, reactions to the game as well. And all it is, it's a short, you know, 15, 20, although we, we had a lot to cover, so we did it a little longer this past weekend. But uh, about a 15-minute podcast uh, to just get you updated on all the analysis and the important stuff from the, the game the previous night. So it's coming at you the morning after single uh, Blues home game this year, and we hope fans subscribe to it. And like I said, you can listen on the ESPN website, and it's uh, uh, hopefully entertaining and and. and feed that next morning blues hunger. Yes, it will always be entertaining with you on there, Curbs. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, you guys have an awesome week. Thanks. You too. All right, thank you. That is Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. As he mentioned there, you can check him out on Curbside. That is on our 101 ESPN app, and also you can listen to him during the games. The Blues will be facing off against the Coyotes this Thursday, 7 p.m. puck drop for that one. Coming up next... We have the fight, and we need a fighter to go against the bearded brain, so be sure to text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. If you want to fight Carrie Davis, come up. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Welcome back 
to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. We are rolling without Randy again this Monday, but like that, that is just fine. Rolling you without said, Randy. You said it to Curbs, and now I'm like, we now have like a the opening drive colon rolling without Randy on days where he's gone. It's perfect Mostly now. I, Mondays, I'm going to get a graphic yeah. and everything. There we go. There we go. Rolling without Randy. We're just rolling on. And now we are going to go to the fight. It's going to be Kerry Davis, the bearded brain, stepping up to take on the fighter today. That is Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing this morning? Morning, Brooke. I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. Are you ready to take on Carrie Davis in the fight today? Let's do it. All right. We'll get started with question number one. Which quarterback holds the mark for the most games with a passing and rushing touchdown with 45? Is it Steve Young, Randall Cunningham, or Cam Newton? Go, Randall Cunningham. Which 80s World Series winning franchise still remains as the only Major League Baseball team to overcome two different 3-1 to series deficits in the same postseason? Was that the Dodgers, the Royals, or the Athletics? Let's, do, let's go with the Royals. The worst offense in modern football was in 1992 when this West Coast squad scored a putrid 140 points across their 16-game season. Was it the Chargers, the Raiders, or the Seahawks? Let's go Seattle. And which wide receiver holds the mark as the most prolific receiver across the 2000s, racking up 868 catches and 12,000-plus yards? Was that Terrell Owens... Larry Fitzgerald or Tory Holt? Let's go to Larry Fitzgerald. All, All right. right. We'll double check our score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. Or sorry, we'll Randy. bring in Carrie Davis. <laughs> God, I'm so locked you, in. You do this Jeez. every single time. I know. You just get so used to saying it. It, it would be like a surprise twist. <laughs> Carrie's walking in now. But first, Kevin, how did you feel after the fight? <laughs> Not too not too bad. I think uh, I thought I got punked for a second. I thought I was fighting Randy or for Kerry, and then he said Randy. I was like, Who's <laughs> that would be so cruel. Gotcha. Halfway, through, halfway through a show after not being here for the first hour and a half, we brought Randy in just for the fight. That'd be so mean. <laughs> but just, God, I really want to do it now. We, we do know that, that Rock does like to do the gotchas every God, once in a while. Hilarious. So I wouldn't be surprised. I already got Kerry once today, Brooke. I can get. I I, I could have gotten the, every listener. At 8.30. God, that would have been a great idea. Thanks for the idea, Kevin. We're going to do it next time. Carrie, say hi to Kevin. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, Carrie, how are you, sir? Doing well. All right. Are you ready to take on Kevin in the fight, Carrie? I'm ready. All right. We'll get started with question number one. Which quarterback holds the mark for the most games with a passing and rushing touchdown with 45? Passing and rushing touchdown in their career. Ooh. Passing and rushing touchdown. This is in a game? Yes. In the same game, they had at least a passing and a rushing touchdown. How many times? They did it 45 times in their career. So your usual suspects would be, I guess, a Steve Young, a Cam Newton, a Michael Vick. I'm assuming all of those guys are Fran Tarkin. For comparison's sake, Jalen Hurts just got his 12th over the weekend. Well, that helps. So somebody to play for a long time. Hmm. For I, I think I'm just going to say. I guess I want to say Michael Vick. He comes to mind first. Oh, Cam Newton. Well, 
No, Tom Brady didn't. He had a bunch of one yard, but he didn't have 45. Let's say I'm going to go with Michael Vick. (laughs) Which 80s World Series winning franchise still remains as the only MLB team to overcome two different 3-1 series deficits in the same postseason? 80s World Series winning franchise. Hmm. They overcame two different 3-1 series deficits in the same postseason. You're going to need the old lifeline there, pal. Was that the Dodgers, the Royals... Or the athletics. athletics. How many how many times did they win? They did it twice. They overcame two different three to one series deficits in the in, same postseason. In the same postseason. In the same okay. postseason. I would feel like it's the Dodgers. Just comes just would be the first one to come to mind. <laughs> Kirk Gibson and all of that stuff. Let's go. Let's go, Dodgers. The worst offense in modern football was in 1992 when this West Coast squad scored a putrid 140 points across their 16-game season. Who was it? 1992. I feel like that would be like the Seattle Seahawks, but let me just run through there. Raiders, no. 49ers, definitely not. They were really good. The Seahawks come to mind with Dave Craig. They feel like they weren't really good. Chargers? Uh, I'm going to go Seattle Seahawks. I feel zero confidence in my answers today. (laughs) Fair enough. And, Carrie... Which wide receiver holds the mark as the most prolific receiver across the 2000s, racking up 868 catches in over 12,000 yards? <sighs> 2000s. I feel like. How many? 868 catches in over 12,000 yards. So from the, the only receiver across the decade. 2010. Yes, the only receiver across that decade who passed the 12,000 yard mark. 868 catches, 12,000 plus yards. One would think it would be... And yes, this is saying 2000 to 2009, which is not the correct way to do a decade, but hey, I'm not okay. I'm not That's here to years, change though. the stats, though. That would be... That'd be the 10 years they're talking about, though. Randy Moss. That's the right way, but hey. How many catches? 868 catches. Well, Randy had a couple of down years there, and... Say a T.O.? I'm going to go... I'm going to go Terrell Owens. Even though everything in me wants to go Randy Moss. We have a winner in today's fight. No need for our tiebreaker. Kerry Davis, stalwart in the defense of the Hall of Fame for Randy Carricker across these, re- these recent days off. Does he continue? Or is Kevin the one to finally break it? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. It was so close, Carrie. It was so close, Carrie. Great job, Kevin. You beat Carrie Davis 2-1 in today's fight. I I didn't feel confident in my answers. Kevin, no no celebration from Kevin, I guess. Good job, Kevin. No, I, I... 
I'm partying right now. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Kevin Grigel. Let's go through those questions and those answers. Which quarterback holds the mark for the most games with a passing and rushing TD with 45? He's high on the list, but he comes up still about 20 games short of Cam Newton. It is not Mike Vick. Cam Newton has 45. That's actually 13 more than the closest. Steve Young tied in second place with a couple of the quarterbacks. That was going to be the three choices. Which 80s World Series winning franchise still remains as the only Major League Baseball team to overcome two different 3-1 series deficits? Why would I ask this question if it wasn't? The Royals squad that beat the Cardinals. Uh, First, they went down 3-1 to Toronto. There's always something tricky And then they were... Down 3-1 to the Cardinals. Two 3-1 deficits overcome in the same postseason for those Royals. The worst offense in modern football was in 1992. I always thought it was, in fact, in 2009 in St. Louis. But in fact, it was in 1992 when this West Coast squad scored a putrid 140 points across their 16-game season. That's 8.8 per game. And Kerry Davis pulled it completely out of the ether. The 1992 Seattle Seahawks was the correct answer. And which wide receiver holds the mark as the most prolific receiver across the 2000s, racking up 868 catches and 12,000-plus yards? Randy Moss is second in the yards category. Your boy Heinz Ward is third in the catches category, but number one in both... Tory big game hold, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Man. Tory big game hold, 168 wow. catches, 12,500 12, yards for big game hold across the 2000s. The most prolific receiver across that entire decade. So, Kevin, you get a 2-1 win today in the fight. We'll see you tomorrow for round two. Thanks, guys. Good job, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. All right, thank you, Rockin'. Carrie, Gosh, that, was a, that was a good battle, though. Yeah. You were so close there at the end. But. By the way, I want to throw this out here. The 2009 Rams, 100, 140 points is the worst offense in modern football. The 2009 Rams scored 175. Oh, Good man. For them. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine what watching football was like in Seattle in 1992. My yeah. God. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rock. And thank you, CD, a.k.a. the Bearded Brain. And we'll see Kevin tomorrow where he will take on Megamind. But coming up next... We have to talk about Mizzou beating Kentucky this weekend. We have to talk about the fake punt. Everything that happened that game, that's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Maybe could have thought about attempting a 56-yarder with a big lane ahead. Look at fake it! And a throw to the sideline is caught! Practiced it all week, and uh, you know, down 14 nothing. What do you got to lose at that point? So we said, let's roll it. And uh, Luke made an unbelievable throw, and uh, Marquise made a great catch. That was Missouri head football coach Eli Drinkowitz. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Welcome back to the opening drive. And Brooke, they uh, the the Missouri Tigers down 14 to nothing, as you heard Coach Drinkowitz speak about taking a chance with a fake punt, mm-hmm. throwing it to the receiver and getting a touchdown. I talked about it earlier. We talked about it earlier. If you go down, if you if you have to punt that ball to to uh, Kentucky at that point, you probably are going to go down 21 to nothing, which is, is start rolling the buses, warming mm-hmm. up the buses, getting prepared for uh, your, your drive to the airport and headed back home to uh, Columbia because at that point, down 21 to nothing on the road, Chances of winning are slim to none, and Slim just walked out the building. Uh, you have that was a great call by Eli and the special teams coordinator. Practice it all week. That's mm-hmm. one of the one of the things we talk about shifts and and momentum 
things that give you momentum in the game, that's one of those things. A special teams play, scoring on special teams, trick plays, all of those things give your team just juice to continue to go forward. And that was really the catalyst to get this team to win that game on Saturday. Yeah, that was my favorite play of the season. I know the season is not done yet, but to me, that's something that when this year wraps up, that you'll point back to and say, this is where things change. The way that they were able to find a way to come back and win is something that I think was very important to see. I thought this was stat, this stat was very interesting. Eli Drinkwitz's teams were previously 0-7 when trailing by multiple scores in the first quarter during his time here at Mizzou. So the fact that he was able to even change that statistic shows his growth as a head coach. And I think it bringing into Kirby Moore, I talked about that earlier. I know that he wasn't a part of this specific play here, but the fake punt is just something that when it happened, I was like, no way. I was like, no way this is going to happen. And that was DeSmet's own Luke Bauer. And you mentioned there that he was able to connect with Marquis Speedy Johnson. And Speedy Johnson is, in fact, very speedy. That was just a very aggressive and creative play that they went there, went there with that shows the trust that he has built with his players. And it was all the things that I feel like in this game that I wanted to see and that we were talking about at the beginning of the season. Those first two games of the season, I think that they were holding a lot yeah. of things back. And I think he was kind of toying with us in the media about like, oh, yeah, no, this is, you know, we don't, we're not, you know, this is what we have with our playbook. Remember when he was saying that, kind of yeah. hinting towards that? <laughs> I feel like he was toying with us and it's paying off because now you're in this situation where you beat Kentucky the first time that they have beat Kentucky in Lexington since 2013 we talked about it earlier. That's when you had Doriel Green Beckham, who was an exceptional talent, except for when he went to the Titans. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that that was a huge statement win for Mizzou to be able to pull that off. And just a great game, I feel like, overall. The fact that the defense also was able to really change their trajectory in mm-hmm. the game. You talked about it, the momentum being built up after that fake punt turning into a touchdown. It felt like it was a totally different Mizzou team after that moment. Yeah, Drink talked about coming back after going down 14 to nothing to Kentucky. Yeah, I think we just counterpunched. You know, you get in these games on the road, you got to counterpunch, right? The the momentum's away from you, and you got to counterpunch and settle in. And that's what we did. We counterpunched, and everybody just settled in like, okay, we're, we, we belong here. We're going to be fine. And, uh, I just, I'll be honest, man, it's surreal. Right now, it was 14 nothing, and we looked like dog in the first quarter. And then now we're, you know, talking about a 38 21 win. That is a tribute to that team and staff in that locker room. Really respect that it was a. I don't know if it was a counterpunch, it's more of a sucker punch, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> that, that is. It's yeah. okay. In a fight, there are no rules. I don't know who made this thing up that you have to have rules when you fight. Nope. Sucker punches, yeah, you got to do what you got to do to win. It's either you or me. And so it was It was uh, Mizzou sucker punching, getting the win, going and, and trick play to to get that, that touchdown, which really, as I said, was the catalyst for them to start getting things in the right, going in the right direction. They were, uh, they, they scored four more times in that before Memphis before you, I keep wanting to call them Memphis, before mm-hmm. Kentucky, same colors. Blue. Before yeah, Kentucky I was like, it's like same colors. Yeah. <laughs> was able to, uh, to get back on the board. So again, as he said, credit to, to the staff. Those are plays that you work on and when you finally do call it, you can see the excitement for the mm-hmm. kids where they're like, yeah, 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 we've been waiting on this. This is an opportunity. You throw it, you throw in there a, a fake punt, you score a touchdown. It just really jump starts that team. And as he said, they were playing like dog, you know what, up until that point. Not performing well, you know, just just not having a lot of life in a in a city, in a in a stadium where they struggle 
And so mm-hmm. to get that win there was uh, was huge for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, they went from looking like dog to having that dog in them. I mean, they, yeah, they really showed that nice, fight yeah. in there. And we talked a lot about SEC's leading rusher, and rightfully so, Ray Davis. He had 70, 78 yards in that first quarter, and he finished, and well, 103 at halftime, but he finished with just 128 yards. I know that that's still a lot, but with what we were talking about with Ray Davis going into this game, the fact that you were able to kind of see that transition of limiting him, and in the second half, Missouri forced three Kentucky turnovers, and they were able to to sack their quarterback three times in the game. And so that's what was a big point to me, not only offensively being able to do what you needed to do, you had that huge moment on special teams, but also the defense being able to really turn things around in that game quickly was a huge key for me. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. It's 8.58. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, we have the Rush Hour Reset. We'll dig into a little bit more blues, maybe some Cardinals, maybe some college football. That's next on the Open and Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everly will be the shooter. Brings it in on Bennington. Cuts it into the middle. Everly waits. Shoots. Save Bennington. Bring out the Zamboni. It's a home opener win for the St. Louis Blues, who picked up three out of four points on the first two games of the year. That is Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, with the final call where the Blues were able to beat the Seattle Kraken 2-1 via the shootout this past weekend. And guys, that was a really, really good win. The fact that you're able to get that done in the home opener, I think is encouraging. Not so encouraging, though, is Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic gave an update this morning if you go check it out on X formerly known as Twitter, he talked about that Pavel Buchnevich likely will be out one to two weeks. I know that we talked to Chris Kerber about that earlier, Kerry, but Pavel Buchnevich, I feel like everybody going into the season said, yeah, that's going to be our MVP of the season. That is the guy that we are going to look to to make sure we have a successful season. You hope that it's something, I know it's one to two weeks, but you hope that it's something like Kerb said isn't going to linger for the rest of the season and be a problem for him. Yeah, he's one of the, uh, I mean, you, you talk about one of their best players Curbs talked about he's on the penalty kill he's on the power play he's one of their most important players and to have him out uh, for an extended period of time or or no matter how long it is it's going to be it's going to be hurtful to this team and hopefully they can find some guys I don't know who moves up on the line and and takes his place and who takes his place on the penalty kill who takes Mm -hmm. his place on the power play they they you don't want to have a guy like that get hurt, but this is the second year. Last year, he kind of, he, he missed some time, and yeah. you, you know how valuable he is because he played center for you after they made those trades because they needed somebody to be the centerman. He did a great job at that. It's frustrating because it's it's injuries are a part of the sport. I mean, it, it happens. You you get ran into, you get knocked down, you get hit pretty hard, and you hope that it doesn't linger for too long. Hopefully, it's only a week or two, and he's back in the fold, but. Until then, you got to figure out who's going to replace him and who's going to be able to step up in this time off. Yeah, and they had Brandon Saad move up. He's on the second line. They had him move up to the top line with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And then you also have Alexandrov waiting in the wing. He, remember, they had the 13 forwards, so he will be slotted in there as Pavel Buchnevich recovers, and hopefully it won't be anything too bad. But the biggest story from the first two games of the season and this past weekend is Jordan Bennington. What else can you say about Jordan Bennington and his performances during these first two games? He is the reason, and Robert Thomas even said this in his post-game comments, he's the reason that they've won, or they won this game. Yeah, he's been doing a fantastic job. I'm excited. You know, you can see 
it feels like there's a, a a certain look or a certain demeanor. He's got the mask on, but you can just feel the, the energy. Crazy through, eyes. Yeah, a little bit through the TV. But like, like he, good crazy good eyes. Good crazy. A guy that I thought he played extremely well last year, but there were so many opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, high danger opportunities right in front of him where he, he really didn't give it. They didn't give him a chance to, to save as many goals. And now they are facing a lot more shots, right? The defense has changed, but they're not shots that make you fearful that something is going to take place or a shot is going to go in. So he's doing a fantastic job on the opportunities that are right in front of him and saving pretty much everything that comes his way. It's been fun to watch him. And it's it's fun to start to see, you know, this defense start to come to form. Mm-hmm. He, that was one of the questions that I had. And, yeah, it's still a lot of shots on goal, which concerns me. But if it's not as as – dangerous of shots on goal, I guess it's, a, it, it's much better than what we've seen in the past. Exactly. Well, moving on to the ALCS game one last night between the Rangers and Astros, and it was the Jordan Montgomery game, six and a third, scoreless Who's against he? the Astros. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I feel like we had a guy on our team named Jordan Montgomery. It couldn't go longer than 90, just text your bullpen oh. too much. Couldn't, couldn't really, uh, couldn't really oh, survive. Man. He was five and, and nine. Six, yeah. I mean, a solid six. A solid six. But about 90 pitches. Okay. Then you got to get him out of there. Okay. Oh, you got to get him out. Blow up with the Rangers that. figured out. Got you. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't dare leave him in the game with the bases loaded. You know, with oh an opportunity God. against a hot lineup like like the Astros. No, right? you Kira, were taking he was him at out. 86 pitches. They took him out at 90. I, I see no reason. I, oh. see no, I don't know why people are complaining. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I want him to come back. I know he'll be too expensive, but I would love Good for him luck. to come back. But you mentioned there the bottom of the fourth. To me, that was the big moment of the game. Big moment for Jordan Montgomery, where the Astros were able to load the bases on three straight two out hits, and Jordan Montgomery was able to stay in the game yep. and work out of that bases loaded jam. That, to me, was the huge moment for the Rangers and something that they can build off of. And also for Jordan Montgomery, just showing how much trust that Bruce Bochy has in him to work through that, and Maddox, too. That was a fun game to watch. I mean, you had you had opportunities on both sides. As I said, in the bottom of the eighth, you had the drive out in the outfield, and Ever Carter made a spectacular oh, play was and insane. was able to double off Jose Altuve. I, I, if I'm the... Now, here's the thing. I, I still think that the Astros are the better team in this series, and I think that at some point there's a man by uh, the name of Jordan Alvarez who he went 0 for 4 last night, but he's going to hit a ball at some point today, and it's probably going to go really far mm. because that's what he does. Yeah. And so if you're the if you're the the Texas Rangers, you're excited about one one win on the road. You need to be greedy and try to get another one. But I still think that the Houston Astros are the better team in this series, and I think they'll eventually figure out a way to win. I don't know, Carrie. I'm all in on the Texas Rangers. Like I was telling you guys last week, I am all in on the Texas Rangers. I think that what they have going on is very fun and interesting to watch. Of course, the biggest question is the bullpen, but when you have starters like Jordan Montgomery factoring into that whole situation where you don't really need to worry about the bullpen as much, I think they just need to get the final eight outs in the game last night. Oh, and by the way, there's a guy by the name of Max Scherzer, who yeah. he will, he'll be returning soon. So Bruce Bochy was asked for, before the game about when we will be seeing Max Scherzer, and he said that there's a good chance that he will be the starter in Game 3. Scherzer locked in, and hopefully, hopefully that will be the first time he'll be pitching since September 12th. That might be dangerous. It might be. I want to throw this out, because not, not for nothing, but today's an interesting game because... Mm-hmm. It's an afternoon game, and I think this is going to be the warmest weather we see this series get played in the rest of this series because just looking at the forecast, 
It's going to be around 68, almost 70 when they play today, but everything's low in the 60s the rest of the week in Houston. It's even lower in Arlington. So, I mean, this is the crazy thing about postseason baseball is legitimately they're going to be playing this game 20 degrees different than they've been yeah. playing the majority of the season. And this being an afternoon game, I honestly think this, there's a good chance this is the highest scoring game of the series. I, I think, like I said, I think the Astros gonna going to come, come out swinging, literally, <laughs> tonight. And they're going to uh, – I think they win this game and go back to Texas. 1-1 and from that point on it's 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 really open for anybody you also have the NLCS tonight with the Diamondbacks and Phillies facing off against each other just as everyone predicted right yeah, right yeah everybody no, no predicted one, that no, one we all thought that this would be the <laughs> the, the matchup <laughs> as, as everybody yeah. predicted and we'll be seeing another familiar face Zach Gallen oh he, who, he he's a he was a former Cardinal as well, right? Yeah, I think it's a few of these guys that are <laughs> just floating around out floating there, floating around in the playoffs. Yeah, just playing well. Yeah, you know? um, I don't think the I think the Phillies are 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 extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. and you know, hats off to the Diamondbacks for what they've done so far in this playoffs. But, but you're already saying pack yeah, your bags, yeah, go yeah, home. Yeah, that's well, what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm gathering yeah, with yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Is a, is a different is a different group of guys, man. They are. It's hard they, to beat. They, yeah, they play they play the game. In an exciting way, they mm-hmm. have fun. They enjoy themselves. You know, they they are a team of uh, last year made a made a great run throughout the playoffs. Was able to make it to the World Series and came up short against the Astros. I think this is their year. I predicted that they would be playing the Astros again yeah. in the World Series, um, and I still feel that way, even though the Astros are down one. But Philadelphia has they have too much. They feel and like they, a team of destiny. Yeah, the right? top of their rotation is is lights out. So yeah. good luck to to the to the Diamondbacks, but. I don't, you I don't. said back your bags. You got to go. <laughs> well, just real quick before we get out of this rush hour reset, some breaking news and surprising news with the Marlins. Kim Ang stepping down as the Marlins general manager. Now, this is very surprising because we've talked about the Marlins and their success this season and with what they've been able to really build up. And the comments coming out this morning are even more peculiar. So a reporter was able to talk to Kim Ang and asked why she decided to step down. And she said last week, Bruce Sherman and I discussed his plan to reshape the baseball operations department in our discussions. It became apparent that we're not completely aligned on what it should look like. And it felt best to step away. Hmm. Wow. Well, maybe maybe she sees something in, in the future that... Uh, can possibly take place and doesn't well, want to be a part of it. Well, you have skipped there and just the excitement really? of the season to be able to get back into the playoffs I thought was huge for what they've been building. I There feels like there has to be even more to this story, right? Uh, probably. but Or maybe you just want to distance yourself from something that you don't think aligns with how you feel yeah. things should go. And, yeah. and I think that's the best way. If, if it's not, if you're not all on the same page, you don't want to be a part of something that is not going to be good or you don't view as being good going forward. So yeah, that that happens in business and in life and people have to make choices that are in their best interest and, no, go on, go forward, and move on. She'll get a lot of job offers. So just a refresher, that was Kim Ang is out as the Marlins general manager. So it'll be interesting to watch to see which happens with what happens with that. But coming up next on the opening drive, we're going to get into some more blues talk because Chris Kerber had some concerns, specifically with the power play. We're going to get up into that coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So your first action as a full team against full NHL talent 
is the regular season and you're working on a brand new system defensively in your own zone that requires, you know, specific things from forwards, defensemen, what have you. Colton Pareko was given the forwards high praise on coming back and, and, and defending really well after Saturday night's game. And once you get into this, then the coaches have something to actually coach. Okay, here's the system. Great. We've now seen it in action. Tweak this, tweak that, add this, add that. And, and you hope that you will see growth in that system. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. That was Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, talking about the defensive scheme that has been implemented this season. And so far, so good. Uh, one goal allowed in each game. And, you know, shots on goal. Um, Bennington has saved 63 of 65 shots. But all in all, he's he's been playing spectacular. And, and the, the Blues have been playing extremely well as well. Yeah, I think the, the defensive scheme thing that he brought up there also brought up another interesting point about maybe how that has been so much of a focus. Remember Kerb said that, that that's been so much of a focus where he thinks that, not that it's a bad thing, yet is that he thinks that it kind of took away from the focus maybe on some things offensively this mm-hmm. season, and you have seen that. But when you're implementing, implementing a new defensive scheme, and that has been such an important thing, as we saw last year, that you needed to address, I can kind of understand in these first few games still feeling that out. I hope that maybe we'll see some more things offensively. But as we mentioned in that first shootout loss, you did see that they really want their defensive players too to get in things more offensively, to jump into plays, to kind of help with those scoring chances too. Yeah, I mean, it, you you, I just like the fact that it is it is much better. It's not the, it's not people parking right in front of the goalie. It's not people, mm-hmm. you know, with the ability to get rebounds and, and put the puck back in the net. You you wanted to limit those opportunities, and I think they have done a pretty good job of that because last year it was it was tough to watch. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was three four goals a night, and it felt like it could have been more on most nights. And that's with Jordan Bennington playing extremely well this year. He's playing extremely well again. It's only a couple of games in, but you know. Saving, making big time saves, and and really, I think the thing that I enjoy most, and and one of the reasons why I have always said that hockey players are tougher than football players is the ability to block shots. Because I'm not standing in front of a slap shot ever. No, I will block Ray Lewis 45 times a game before I stand in front of one slap. Really, shot. you would no do that? Question about over it. Every shot. day you of have the, all the week, padding. but think about it. You have all the hockey padding. No. No, still. If that's the case, if they have all of those paddings, then why is it that when they get hit in the shin, I see guys limp <laughs> off the ice? Why is it that they get hit in the face with slap shots and it looks like they, no, they got teeth missing. Oh, nah, I'm God. And they I refuse. Have... <laughs> Sign me up to block James Harrison every every play before yeah. I take one slap shot. I'm, no, no, sir. There's no way. And they had 17 block shots. I think Colm Pareko accounted for six of those block shots. And so you want to see that progression for Pareko and stuff. I just don't want to be too hard just yet on anything with the Blues. I know that we already got some texts in that said that, you know, they look a little too flat-footed. Then some saying that they're not impressed yet. I think that you still have to give this a lot of time. Losing Pavel Buchnevich, I think, is a huge loss for the Blues. And hopefully it really is going to be just one or two weeks and something that doesn't linger on for the rest of the season because I think that he is the X factor for the Blues this season. If Pavel Buchnevich is healthy and he is playing well, which he does when he is healthy, then I feel like he is your X factor for the Blues this season, the catalyst. For me, one of the the biggest concerns, and Chris Kerber talked about it, was the power play so far. It has not gotten off to a very good start. The fact that you've basically gone 0 for 4 in each of the first two games and over 12 minutes, 12 minutes and 48 seconds, I believe it is, 
chances of total power play time and have two shots on goal isn't going to get it done. It's just not going to get it done. So uh, on that sense, so um, new personnel is a big part of it, but a shooting mentality has got to come out. And I would be shocked against the Arizona Coyotes if you didn't start to see a lot more shots on net when it comes to the power play. Now the flip side of that, Gary, the, the penalty killing, yes, it gave up a power play goal by Jaden Schwartz. It was in the final 10 seconds of, of, of the penalty kill. But, man, this team has been pretty disciplined through the first two games, and that's another good sign and a characteristic of a good Barubi team. That's all you can ask for, right, the, the penalty kill aspect of it. But mm-hmm. not getting shots on goal from your power play is a bit concerning. Like you, you're the purpose of the power play. you got a man advantage. You should be able to take yeah. advantage of that. But for whatever reason, they aren't getting shots on goal. They are, I think, 0 for 8 so far in these first two games um, with, their, with their eight opportunities. Just not getting enough shots on goal, not getting enough opportunities. And that is somewhat concerning for this team. Well, and he also alluded to that maybe it has something to do with some of the newer guys that they have coming into those situations, like Sammy Blay and Kasperi Kapanen. And maybe it is just these guys building up more of that chemistry or even trying to figure things out a little bit better going into the rest of the season because that is concerning. Special yep. teams was the biggest concern and just the one of the most shocking declines, I guess you could say, last season. I do think a lot of that has to do with losing David Perron because David Perron was fantastic in that role, really kind of quarterbacking the power play. But I think that losing Perron and then also it just felt like they just fell flat. The fact that they weren't able to capitalize on special teams, that was your bread and butter prior. And then last season to see it drop off that much is a deep concern. And the fact that you are kind of struggling, scuffling a little bit with this in the beginning of the season, that's something that has to change quickly. You can't have your power play look like it did last season. Yeah, it, it's, it, it hasn't been great. And so if you were if you were to nitpick on one thing from this team right now, it would be that it defensively they, they've been playing extremely well. But that's the one thing, again, when you have a man advantage, you have to get shots on net and hope for opportunities, rebound opportunities, or, or just making plays and getting the puck in the net somehow, some way. And again, you know, I think fans yell, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. We always hear that. Me? <laughs> Every fan <laughs> has yelled that at their TV or during the game, shoot the puck. And yeah, shoot the puck. Like, shoot it. Give it, yeah. give yourself an opportunity for a rebound if it doesn't go in, especially when you are you have the man advantage. I think that that has to, something that they're going to take a look at. And, and hopefully, again, Buchnevich is out, so someone is someone else is going to be on the power play now. So they're still trying to figure out all of their pieces with, with guys out now. So, Hopefully they can get it corrected in the next opportunity they have on Thursday. They can actually get a power play goal and win the game in regulation and not have to go to overtime. I like shootouts, though. I think that they're exciting. It's nerve-wracking and probably the worst way possible, but also I think it's so much fun. I don't think goalies like shootouts. Jordan Bennington, I think, loves, <laughs> loves How does he feel? this situation. I feel like he really thrives in those kind of situations. they got to figure something out because that, that overtime was the worst – five, ten minutes of hockey I've ever watched in my entire life. It's supposed to be fast and upbeat and higher pace and stuff like that. That was the worst few minutes of hockey I've ever seen in my entire life. That was pathetic. I mean, they, they the Blues didn't have any possession of the puck. The Kraken were just kind of like dilly-dallying, just like pass, pass, turnover, get the puck back, recycle. It was the most boring ten minutes of hockey I've ever seen in my entire life. They have to change. They have to find a new way because three-on-three hockey opening things up and making it exciting, 
Failed. It has completely failed. No. Yeah. I think another thing is seeing Jordan Cairo's progression. We talked about that, about how he's obviously so offensively minded, but with this new contract kicking in, and Armstrong and Baruby were not shy about it. They definitely wanted to see more from Jordan Cairo mm-hmm. last year, which is weird to say considering he had 37 goals, right? Yeah. But they wanted to see him really develop more as a two-way player. And I think maybe you're starting to see that a little bit more in this, that he has been working on that. Robert Thomas mentioned that he's expecting a lot from Jordan Cairo this year. But you've also have seen where... Jordan Cairo always is willing to shoot the puck, but also where you were able to see him kind of in some situations where he's kind of progressed defensively as a forward too. I was thinking about just in that first period where he took away a backdoor pass, and I thought that that was a situation where like, okay, those that's some progression from Jordan Cairo this season. And I think he is such a spell a special young talent. It's just developing into more what I think we all know he has the full potential to be. He has a he has an elite talent set set of skills and so you you know what he brings to the team offensively I think when you're talking about what they wanted to see more of him it's it's more of the commitment to being an all-around player and you know when you are a a scorer you know sometimes defense ain't your thing right with Carmelo Anthony Jordan Poole you know basketball players that look to score and shoot the ball they aren't looking to get back on defense James Harden they, they just that's not who they are but you have to be able to commit to it to help your team because it is a team game. It's not solely about what you're able to do by yourself. You have to commit to that and not leave your teammates out to dry. So hopefully his commitment on the defensive side of things is really higher than it has been in the past, and that can help him eventually score more goals. Yeah, and even maybe Robert Thomas to score more goals. He's got to shoot, though. Again, he's a pass-first player, which obviously he's got – uh, a line with, with Bucinavich yes. and, and Jordan Cairo. So he wants to get those guys involved. That's his his bread and butter is getting those guys involved. But there are times where he has to say, you know what, this is my opportunity. Uh, I got to shoot this puck and see if I can get it in. He had a great opportunity the first game where he just, just missed it late mm-hmm. there in the game and was unable to score. But I think those opportunities, the more that they present, him, present themselves – Hopefully he looks to score as opposed to passing it to other guys to getting them to score. Exactly. Either way, you have the Coyotes this week, and so we'll see if there will be even more progression. And I guess you guys don't want another shootout. I no no more three yeah. straight shootouts. Or... I'm okay with it. I'm I don't. Okay with the shootout, I, I, no, I, I'm not. I have to watch this pathetic overtime to get to the shootout, Brooks. They got to fix that. It's almost like you knew it was coming, right? <laughs> you don't like the you don't like the three on three. I think it can be exciting. <laughs> What, do I need to say? Do I need to say more, Carrie? <laughs> you don't. You're not a fan. No, I feel. I, I feel so what would you rather I feel see? Onomatopoetically, like I've covered my bases. Double shootouts. Would you, he would rather see double shootouts. shootouts. Would you rather see go back to five, five on five, five for twenty yes. minutes? Keep playing the sport you're playing. Stop playing a different sport. Stop stop playing a different sport. All right, no, let's get crazy. Let's all right. Let's for get over, crazy. For overtime, we're playing lacrosse on ice now. For, the, for whoever, went, yeah. What, what goofy uh, other stuff can we do? Let's just change the sport completely uh, for one section of the game. That makes sense. Uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> That's Rock. I'm Kerry. That's Brooke. Coming up next, we have our rehit on the Yachty discussion. Do you want to see him in a Cardinals uniform? As a coach on the bench, text in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. Or leave a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. We want to get your thoughts about Yachty potentially returning to the Cardinals dugout. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
brings me back to Molina. The Cardinals need to beef up their staff, add someone who Ollie respects and would listen to, someone the players respect and would listen to. I think Molina checks that box. Enough so, I'm told, there's mutual interest. Keep in mind, this wouldn't just be a publicity stunt or a way to excite a frustrated fan base. Molina has managed at the international level, and it's believed he wants to manage in the big leagues. This would be a step in that direction. Now, at this point, I don't think the Cardinals have made an offer, and it's not clear if Molina would accept. But the idea of Yachty back to the Cardinals is on the table. And after their disastrous season, everything should be on the table. That was Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 with his TKO segment talking about that the Cardinals and Yadier Molina have possibly had discussions about a possible return. You like how I put possible in all those because anything is possible. But is this possible that Yadier Molina could come back and be a part of the coaching staff for the Cardinals? And to me, the way that he phrased it kind of sounds soon, right? It sounds yeah. like this is something that could be happening soon. You know, you've heard the Cardinals say that they want a quick turnaround in 2024. I feel like Yadier Yadier Molina having him as a part of your staff does that because he's a guy who's been there, done that, has the experience. He's basically behind the scenes. And well, I wouldn't even say behind the scenes. I think everybody's fully aware what Yadier Molina has meant to this organization, not only to the position that he has played for so many years, but also to what he was able to do with the pitchers. Mm -hmm. He really, really made things so much easier for the pitchers. They talked about that, about how he was essentially like another pitching coach. And that's why I think if you do bring him back, you make him your pitching coach. We saw it happen with Dave Duncan. It can be something that you can do. And I think it's something the Cardinals should do moving forward. I feel like that's something that helps them in so many different ways. But also when you're approaching a big free agency, talk about attracting some big pitchers. You're going to spend some money and then they hear, oh, wait, Yadier Molina is going to be there to also help with the coaching staff. I think that would be huge for the Cardinals. It would be. And, and I thought about this. What if the... You know, we talked last week about the Cardinals delaying their press conference until after the World Series. What if this is the news that they were waiting to get or or working to get? If that's the case, then by all means, take as much time as you need. (laughs) Take as much time. I I, I would like to pull back all of the comments that I had as it pertained to you all wasting our time. Like just just I'm if that's what we are waiting for, I would like to retract my comments. And now I can wait. I can wait with with my hands buried, yeah. waiting for, for good things to come for the Cardinals organization if that's what the news is going to be when they decide to have this press conference, whenever it may be. Um, but I think Yachty being back would be awesome. You know, mm-hmm. it would be awesome for the team, for a young group of guys that are that are still trying to learn the Cardinal way. You got re- two future Hall of Famers in Goldie and Arenado, but from from my perspective, they they don't seem they're they're leaders by what they do, mm-hmm. you know, by by action, Example, but not yeah. really so much leaders in terms of, hey, talking to the younger guys or showing them the way. You need to have both on the team. You got to have guys that talk and bring the young guys into the fold, and you got to have guys that don't say much, but they just show up to work every single day. And so those, to me, are usually the best teams. And if you have a player who recent, recently retired, one year removed from playing in the game, uh, knows the organization, knows the pitchers, knows what would be best for this team going forward. I think it would definitely be great to have Yadier Molina back in the fold. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And Yadier Molina is a guy that when he speaks, 
everybody is going to listen to what he has to say, right? He, when he speaks, every single person is listening. So I think it would be huge for the Cardinals to bring him back. And I think it's a good decision. But, Rocchio, it's interesting. I'm looking at the text line. And, by the way, you can text in your thoughts about Yadier Molina possibly joining the Cardinals coaching staff. You can text that into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. You can also send us a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. Rock, what are you seeing? Because I've seen some people who definitely don't feel so strongly about this. And before we go to the text line really quickly, I want to hit the YouTube chat because, again, you can also, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, at 101 ESPN STL, you can comment on the YouTube chat. We're going to bring that into the show as well. Air Alliance team. Air Alliance team camera. There you go. Air Air Alliance team studio cameras. Uh, Carrie, can you – oh, actually, you can't Vanna White. Actually, I'm going to turn on – I'm going to turn on uh, Randy's camera. Can you Vanna White White it for us? Oh, oh, wait, no, you're not – Wait, oh, you got there. You go, Gary Davis. Yes. You can yeah, see the on Air YouTube. Alliance team studio cams. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> Hunter uh, came into the YouTube chat and said, uh, "I don't want Yachty back under the current circumstances. The front office can use it as a mirror rather than actually fixing the issues." I thought it was funny too because we got an interesting text as well from the six one eight where somebody said, "I don't want them using a story about Yachty like they did Pujols and Wayno to cover up the actual problems with this organization. Fix the real issues, then you bring in Yachty." I think that bringing in Yachty would signal that they are paying attention to that a little bit more. Personally, I think that if you're bringing in Yachty or Molina, Yachty's going to do what Yachty wants to do, okay? Like, he is not going to be micromanaged. He's not going to be driven by the numbers. Of course, he'll take numbers into account because I think that they all do. But he's going to be more on instincts and feel and Polo Asensio and I have talked about this a lot the Cardinal Spanish broadcaster who is very close to Yadier Molina if you actually go check out on our YouTube page our last Balk About It episode he kind of talks about his relationship with Yadier and when Yadier came to town what that was like but he has spoken at length about how Yadier Molina does want to manage and he wants to manage in Major League Baseball and he is going to do it his way. So if the Cardinals are even thinking about this, I think that that would have to be them also shifting their mindset as an organization and that would signal that. I got a text here from, we got a text on the 314 saying, um, it's going to be difficult landing free agent pitchers if Wilson Contreras is catching. No chance that we recapture Jordan Montgomery. That's why you bring Yadier Molina in. Yep. Because the notion that Wilson Contreras can't catch or he's it has is in, unable to, to manage a staff, if you have a pitching coach or a bench coach or a coaching instructor, a catching instructor like Yadier Molina, helping and assisting Wilson Contreras, it not only helps your pitching staff, it helps your entire team. It helps your lineup because Wilson Contreras doesn't have to be a DH every game. He doesn't have to be a left fielder. You paid him to be a catcher, so give him somebody that he looks up to, someone yes. that he respects in Yadier Molina who can have those hard conversations. Sometimes when you respect and have an admiration for somebody, they can have those tough conversations with you if you aren't performing well or if you are. They can just kind of give you that feedback that allows you to be the best version of yourself. So I think if Yadier Molina were to come back, it not only helps this pitching staff, the defense, it helps the entire team. Because, again, you can put Wilson Contreras at your, as your everyday catcher, catching him 100, 120 games, whatever the case may be, and it makes your lineup that more dangerous as opposed to having Wilson at DH and, and Andrew Kisner, who had a hell of a year this year, mm-hmm. best year of his career. I don't think he does that again next year. So 
it makes your team that much better with with Yadia there and Wilson behind the plate. Somebody from the 314 texted in, Cardinals need to stop living in the past and move on. I liked what Chris Kerber said earlier, even though it was pertaining to the Blues, but he kind of hinted towards the Cardinals as well, is that a winning culture is fragile, right? Yeah. It takes a lot to maintain, and a losing culture is very contagious. <laughs> it's easy to lose. It is. And so <laughs> it's when, so much harder when to you win have that, Yeah, when you have that losing culture creeping in, I get that you want to move towards the future, but have Having somebody, as you mentioned, CD, that has been immersed in the Cardinal way and knows what it takes to win at a high level, sign me up any day to have that as a part of my coaching staff. Definitely. I mean, just a champion, uh, a St. Louis Cardinal, someone that understands the Cardinals way, understands what it takes to build up a, a, a starting rotation, a pitching staff, you know, keep those guys in line, keep those guys in check. I think if we had... Even if Yachty wasn't your catcher this year, but he was on the roster or on the staff in some capacity, we don't have the issue that we had with Wilson Contreras in terms of how they talked about him. Oh, God. Not the not no. the performance, because again, I don't think the performance was as bad as other people may say. Yeah, you had the the reports that oh, he's calling pitches that pitchers pitchers don't even have. That may have happened once or twice, and they kind of made it seem like it was a much bigger issue than it actually was. And again, it happened with a team that that player used to play for, so we kind of know where that information came from. But the fact that they had so many conversations around Wilson Contreras, and you saw a man fight through adversity and still show up every single day and play his best, I don't think you have those issues if Yadier is on the team or on the on the staff in some form. Now, here's the last big question before we go out of this segment is – does this mean something to you to say that hypothetically he does join the Cardinals coaching staff? I don't think that he would just want to be a coach for that long. I think that Yadier Molina would want to be the manager of the organization. Yeah, I think eventually you work into becoming a manager, if not here, somewhere else. Um, but starting as a as a position coach or a, a bench coach or a a, a you know, the pitching coach, he's not whatever. Do it the, for five years, nah, and he's not I, I, waiting around. I don't think he would have to because yeah. you know who he is, you know what he's done in his career, and how intelligent he is at that position and understanding how to manage games. A catcher is an extension of the manager, right? They are yes. supposed to be the one that can get everyone aligned defensively. They can make sure that everyone is in the right place, calling the pitches for the staff to get guys out or get them to hit the ball on the ground so we can hit them right into the, the double play. All of those things are, are part of the catcher's role, just an extension of what's going on in the dugout onto the field. And if Yadier Molina is a a, a helpful person in that regard for for this coach for this pitching staff and for this for this catcher for these catchers I think it would be great that's Carrie Umbrook coming up next on the opening drive we head to rock and roll that's next on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers I want to rock and roll Let's rock. Let's rock today. Welcome back to the opening drive. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see John Party with special guests Midland and Ella Langley this Saturday night, October 21st at Shea Fitz Arena. Tickets are on sale now, or you can go, or you can text in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399. Yo ho! For your chance to win free tickets to see John Party this Saturday, find all the ticket details now at 101ESPN.com. And we will have a texter who texts in 
a number that Rock is going to let us know here shortly. Yeah, what do so we have? We're, we're back with a grab bag giveaway because oh. I know how much Carrie loves doing those. So Carrie's we're just, ready to go. We're going to do a grab bag giveaway. Carrie, there's, I think, one hiding in here that we've already done. So if you pick that one out, just throw it away. Oh, I'm um, definitely using that one again. But, but here's the thing. So <laughs> we're going to give, we're going to let Carrie pick out the topic that we're going to give everybody a little bit to send in their guess of how many Carrie can get, whatever this is, in 30 seconds. In so a Carrie's minute? Gonna pick, one minute? No, you 60 get 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Oh, oh, it's shoot. always been 30 seconds, Carrie. That okay, I get dibs on the next one. I feel like oh, I redeemed come myself. On. A bit. Did you get a bad one? Come on! Did you get one? Is it the same I don't know one? who these people are. Rock does. <laughs> yes. Yes. Why would you do yes. that? Is this the? Yes. Oh, this is the current. I'm so happy. This changes, right? Wait, what is this? Players <laughs> on the current FIBA U.S. Men's National Team roster. That was oh, for this, this is a Matthew Rockio no, special. That, that that is for this past summer's tournament. Oh with Carrie. my Just, God. Constantly came after the United States team uh, for not being the dream team because that's a crime, I got, apparently. I don't know anybody on this roster. Mm, mm, so mm, mm, mm. <laughs> this is a bunch of guys that don't Carrie. even start on the The people on their home teams wouldn't so. even know these guys. <laughs> All right, there are uh, 15 players on the, that were on the USA FIBA gracious. World Cup roster this past summer, Carrie. There were 15 players, so everyone send in your guess. Out of the 15 uh, players on the 2023 FIBA World seconds? Cup roster, how you can many give me a can Carrie Davis in 30 seconds? We're going to let people get their guesses in. Carrie, let them know. How, how are you feeling about not, this? Uh, not great. I think he already told us. Yeah. Are you not ready, great. Rock? I'm making sure we. I'm, I'm just making sure we get all our guesses in. All right, we're gonna. Okay. Wow. No one giving Carrie a lot of help here. You really lowered the expectations. Yeah. And we're gonna cut off the guesses right now. And we're gonna give Carrie 30 seconds. Carrie Davis, are you ready, yeah. my good friend? Yep. All right. Ready. Yep. Set. Go. Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Anthony Edwards is the only one that I can think of. <laughs> He's the only one that matters. Now, when we get done with this, I want you to read off the names of the people and tell me who he played for. I like, I like how you Anthony just Edwards, you Josh, anyone Josh uh, plays for the Knicks, I think. You played for Josh. a bunch of teams. Josh. You have 10 seconds. Um, man. Come on, I told you Anthony Edwards. Now, if it's the team that's coming up, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis. Exactly. Time's up. Anthony Edwards. This is so disappointing. Josh, what's Josh's last name? Josh Hart. Him. Yeah. He's most famous for doing the look when somebody there. Come on, man. I've been disappointing you before. You should be. Gosh, yeah. But never to this extent. Who? Okay, name the people. The 2023 United you, States Men's National Team. You text in if you've FIBA heard of these guys. You text Oh, there will be somebody who's like, oh, I've one heard of, of all the these best guys. point guards in the league, Tyrese Halliburton. One of the Who best, he play for? He plays for the Indiana Pacers. Okay. One of the best. How many games do the Indiana Pacers play on primetime TV? I'm not. I don't have that. Doesn't I don't like line. Line, not uh, a whole one lot. One of the best wings in the league, Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges. Okay, that's Cam, a good one. Cam Johnson, best six man in the league. One of the best scores in the league. Brand- who he play for now? Brandon Ingram scored 30 Brandon points Ingram, per game now, last year. I didn't How know did he was on the roster. Him? Paolo Bencaro, the rookie of the year He's last year. Bobby Portis Jr., he throws a mean right hook. Oh, Bobby Portis. Arkansas. Jalen Brunson, the point guard there for you go. America's team. You didn't even guess him. America's team. He, he played for the Cowboys? No, he plays for the Knicks. Um, <laughs> Josh 
Art on the mix. The reigning out. defensive player of the freaking year, Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. Walker Kessler, and Austin Reeves, you know who, the new great white hope. So you I, know, how I dare was going to say Austin Reeves, but I wasn't sure if he was there or not. You got one. I only had one for you. Oh, so the only one that mattered. How many of those guys were all-stars last year? Four or five of them? Who? Boncaro, Jackson, Ingram. Paolo Boncaro was an all-star? Anthony Edwards. Or was he in the rookie game? Might have been in the rookie game. But okay. at, at the very least, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Edwards, Edwards, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Ingram. How many of those least. guys are superstars? All the three guys I just mentioned. They aren't superstars. Excuse you? Anthony Edwards is a superstar. Yes. There are levels. They are stars. No, Brandon Ingram's a superstar. No, he isn't. He's a wing who scores 30 points a game. No, 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 he isn't. Get the heck out of here. Fine. Kerry, well, let's talk about something you're a little bit more <laughs> locked in on. And that, of course, is... Who won? Late. First of all, who's guessed one? It was uh, the 573. Uh, Good job. One. Good job. correctly. Um, because... Because Carrie, get, it was a low bar. The guesses yeah, were between. Somebody, the somebody guesses said, I between, thought it was a soccer question. There, there you go. FIFA. <laughs> FIFA. 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 You probably had better. It was a FIFA. We, said, we should have just changed the rules. We said FIFA. Carrie, can you name more than one player on the FIFA Men's World Cup? No, I'm not going to be able to okay. help you. Taylor Twoman. No, speaking of Taylors, though, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and we just gave away Uh-oh. John Party tickets. So let's talk about uh, oh, somebody who used to be a country star. Saturday night. Yes! Travis Kelsey was Come part of the monologue. On, they, were, they were talking about football. Then they had Ice Spice Come as the musical guest. Who brought Ice Spice on? But none other than Taylor Swift. Uh. And then, Carrie, hours later, The Flash, New York City. <laughs> they get out of a car and are seen walking to the SNL after party. Holding, holding hands, hands Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Physical contact. Do you know why? Because they know how many cameras are watching. This is a ploy. No. By two people. CD, do you not remember in the Kansas City restaurant? They were holding on to each other. You know this what? is real. This is real this love. Is Why friends, do you know it's real love? This is when they have a, this is have a wedding date. This is, this is, this is heavy penning. Yeah. This is heavy penning. Text me when they have a wedding date. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is a love story. Yes. Uh, all right. Yes. If you say so. Wait, Carrie, I'm sorry. Carrie, what was, what, what's my nickname again? What did I call it? The Thief yeah. of Joy? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah you, you've earned anybody, that, brother. Anybody in St. Louis have a mirror? Is anybody <laughs> a, a reflective surface oh. that, I can, that, that I, can just, I can just prop up right here? Just something. Oh, hey, here's a camera. <laughs> camera. Carrie, look at that camera for me. He's the Thief of Joy. Mm-hmm. Matthew Rocchio. Pot calling the kettle on that one, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm just a little disappointed in you, Carrie. I'm disappointed. I need you to be excited. I'm disappointed that I didn't get uh, Jalen Brunson. Nah, I'm disappointed in that. <laughs> Josh Hart, I did know he was you on the said team. Josh, somebody. you know who I was talking about? I, uh, there's a, the New York Knicks have a big roster. Uh, I, I, I can't just like how many games they win last year? Like 45. Okay, or did they did they have a run in the playoffs? How many of these guys had runs in the playoffs he that just people wants were to talking be about? What is a run? Let me different. ask you a question. What's a run? Oh, let me ask you a better question. Let me ask you a better question. How many of these guys on that roster are going to be on the 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 Olympic roster? Uh, probably three. The three I mentioned. So then the Brandon three, Ingram, then, then, then the Edwards, rest of them don't Jim matter. Jackson Jr. Then but the rest you, of them don't matter. You could have gotten three. I could have, but I did. You got one. I only knew one. The superstar one. on the bunch. <laughs> the guy who's going to win an MVP one day. As you said. And we got a $20 bet on that? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Okay. We might be 15 years from now. Yeah, I'm going to be Carrie. Like, Carrie, this is still your number. I need my 20. <sighs> I'll send it to you if I'm wrong. There you go. <laughs> By the way, just real quick, the Fast Lane will be broadcasting live this Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. over at the River City Casino and Hotel. 
as later that evening, the inaugural Blues Warriors Awards Gala will be taking place. Enjoy an evening of dinner, drinks, awards, a live auction, and more with Jamie Rivers, Chris Kerber, along with former Blues, Reed Lowe, Cam Jansen, and Tony Twist. Ooh, that that will be fun to see. Tickets for the Blues Warrior Awards Gala are on sale now, supporting the Blues Warrior Hockey. Get all the ticket details at 101ESPN.com. And congrats to Wayne and Festus with winning the tickets. I'm sorry, I cannot read that. Rock, sometimes your handwriting throws this. I'm sorry, you you made it through 99%. What what, what part was throwing you? It was with win win the tickets. I was trying to read and then I messed up Festus at that time because I was too focused on what the hell are the words after Festus. It's okay. okay. Either way, Wayne Wayne won. (laughs) Oh, come on! Shout out to the the 636. You've seen his his handwriting. How 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 could you not get win the Ticks out of that. Sometimes Come it's hard on. to read your writing. Your handwriting Rock, Rock, is a little Someone rough. says we are we argue like an old married couple. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> That's my brother. Named, there. We, we <laughs> named one person. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Multiple. He's got Brandon is a thirty point. I forgot scorer. he was on the roster. Get out of here. Anthony Edwards is memorable. Okay. The rest of these guys. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> That's Rock. That's Brooke. I'm How, about that? How, How about, about that? that? How about that? How about that? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Coming up next, you got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. T-Mac here? He's been here? He's He's been here every week. All right. Good for that. <laughs> Coming up next, the balloon party. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.